five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome, everybody, to this special holiday show of Culture Clash, episode 240. It is our Thanksgiving special, and you know what? We're going to have a lot of fun here and some weirdness. It's a holiday special on the Phantom Podcast Network. You never know what's going to happen. For instance, one thing you can count on is Mr. Kevin Reitzel joining us for any special holiday special because Kevin loves his holidays, and I know for a fact he loves his Thanksgiving dinners. Yes. That reminds me. I need to check out more on the Hallmark special and see what kind of Thanksgiving, you know, shows that they have there. But uh, of course you, we got to watch our WKRP Turkey drop, right? Mm -hmm. Is there another Thanksgiving movie that you try to watch? Uh, I know you're not a Charlie Brown fan. I am. So I always like to watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Isn't planes, trains and automobiles also during a Thanksgiving thing? Yeah. That's him trying to get back for Thanksgiving. Um, There's not a lot of big Thanksgiving movies. I know we got that new, Horror film Thanksgiving that just came right, out. right, right, right. <laughs> uh, here's Dave Mattingly. He says, "I'm thankful for comic books, cosplaying, and role playing games. Those are great choices. There, we're going to touch on a few of those there later. What's going yeah. on? What's up, freak? There he is. Gobble, gobble. Good to see those guys in there. That's awesome. Uh, you know what? Uh, there's a Friendsgiving movie that I've been wanting to see. I have that one somewhere. Uh, I found it on video, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, Thanksgiving." Well, WKRP Turkey Drop, that's probably the more famous one, I guess. Yeah. I, 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 did we kind of, I, I got you kind of hooked on that tra- on that tradition, if I'm not early yes. on in the early days well, of the podcast network. Yeah, watching it. And then I, I went and bought just that episode. I didn't buy the whole series of WKRP, but I went and bought that episode. And so I have that one to watch. It's, 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 it's classic. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to have a lot of fun with this episode. It's going to be just kind of a kickback, relaxed episode. But one of the things we want to do, and Besides, we hadn't let it out of the basement of antiquities here at the Fandom Podcast Network in a while, and it gets temperamental. Um, the Magic 8-Ball finally decided enough was enough. We'd have been ignoring it for too long. So it kind of busted out with the mashed potatoes, the sweet potato pie. He, it threatened the dressing even, and we don't want to overcook the dressing. So Ask a question. Magic Ask a question. Um, Magic 8-Ball, are we going to have a good Thanksgiving dinner? It is decidedly so. <laughs> Good. I mean, I'm heart, heartburn ahoy. But um, yeah, so the Magic 8-Ball is here, and it has asked us to say, you know what, you haven't, maybe we haven't given enough thanks, and we're going to give our thanks to things and fandom on this episode. So it, again, with the Magic 8-Ball, it's in no particular order. We're just going to have a little fun and give our thanks to things and fandom. So hopefully those of you who join us in the chat or join us later on, Will tell us what you're thankful for as well, and you never know. We might have the uh, occasional guest pop in on this. You know, these holiday things get a little weird around here. Um, but Kevin, before we get into any of that, because we've got we got a little business to take care of, some th- some things we need to address, and one of those things is the fact that it might be a holiday week, but there's still news. So let's news.
Dave and, says that Spider-Man 2002 is a Thanksgiving movie. Uh, there's a very strange Thanksgiving scene in that film. I'm not going to call it Thanksgiving. <laughs> I got to rewatch movie. that again. I don't remember that. That's but I will yeah. agree with this. Adam's Family Values is a Thanksgiving film. Thank you. And actually, that's one of those sequels that I think is better than the original. I, I, I would agree with that. But we <laughs> do have right. a lot of news to, to cover, Kevin. But you know what? The most important news is it's what's happening on the Fandom Podcast Network. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. We got some stuff. There, there's some stuff. Um, Kevin, you want to tell them about this particular thing that's on the Fandom Podcast Network? Because it's been a while since we've seen it. Yeah, the Hair Metal Podcast has returned. I put a call out on uh, our Hair Metal Podcast fandom group there. Uh, if you're a fan of uh, 80s metal, uh, 80s to early 90s metal, uh, please check it out. We, we'd love that. And I put a call out asking for guests. And uh, uh, Michael Simmer hit me up. He's uh, from Pittsburgh. He now lives in the Philadelphia area. And he's a huge hair metal fan, and he's also a teacher of music as well. So he's got some cred, and he knows his stuff. So I had him on as a guest, and uh, uh, he kind of came up with an idea that we kind of ran with. Uh, 80s rock metal bands that should have been bigger. And we put that into the hair metal group. Got some great responses. I found some lists, and we picked our top five hair metal bands of that era that should have been bigger and it was a really really good podcast that is out now on video and youtube and in audio um kevin uh, uh, the freak here has an important question considering what you got on the show the last time we went live i think it's very important you give him a proper answer <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah uh, freak looked uh, me up yeah. <laughs> That, 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 that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> also, Time Warp, 1983. We, 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 I know we're getting ready to uh, record for December, which is going to cover the movies of December as well as the awards for that year. But to part six with the greatest holiday movie of all time, Kevin, The Day After. I mean, yes. what, a, what an uplifting holiday film that movie is. Yeah, the months of October and November of 83 were very interesting. Uh, we had Sean Connery returning as James Bond. And uh, we had one of the uh, most popular Christmas movies of all time come out. But we also had The Day After, the most watched TV ser TV movie of all time. Also scared the crap out of everyone about let's not do nuclear bombs. So, uh, yeah, we get into that. And there was another uh, nuclear bomb movie that people have forgotten about, about living with the after effects of a nuclear attack that is also discussed in that podcast but you have to listen and or watch the podcast uh to check that out and uh we will be following up with december of 83 finishing out our 83 year with the uh, academy award winners and the razzie award winners of 1983 so check that out later next month and we got some fun stuff planned for december we'll let you know when we have it ready to go so but guys we do have some actual regular news to talk about too This guy on the screen, I think I think he might come up later in this podcast, too. I, 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 <laughs> Dave Filoni, what's he up to, Kyle? Um, Dave Filoni has gotten a little bit of a promotion as he is now the chief creative officer at Lucasfilm, which kind of puts him at the, that level with Kathleen Kennedy. I mean, come on. He's been a been a the Padawan for this for years. It's, he, it's, he's finally finished his Jedi trials as in a master is the master now. Uh, so question on that. 
Um, what does that mean? <laughs> like, how okay. powerful is he? Well, we're, we're, we, I actually, we just have somebody who will be able to do that because it is Thanksgiving and I used a little Thanksgiving magic. So I have brought in somebody who can probably tell us all about this because he's one of the hosts of What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast. And I know he's got the drunken Gungan triple parked outside <laughs> on the curb. Mr. Derek Marsh, welcome to the Culture Clash Thanksgiving special, sir. Happy Thanksgiving, gents. Good to see you, Derek. Good to see you. So what do you make of this news of uh, Filoni being promoted here? And how much power does that give him? So um, obviously it's kind of uh, naming somebody finally kind of not quite the Kevin Feige, right? Like of the MCU where he's got complete control over everything. But from the creative side, it is right. He's kind of the voice, the reasoning, which makes sense, right? Because he's the, the Padawan that became the Jedi Knight, who's now the Jedi Master. Um, when it comes to following Lucas um, and everything that he's done. So this, I think, is going to be nice because it's going to be kind of a single voice, which I feel like recently there's been too many people that have been coming and going once The Mandalorian did as well as it did and everybody started getting exciting about Star Wars again. And I think this will help a bit. At least I'm hoping, right? Because we've felt like kind of, you know, the past three years or so post COVID um, that, you know, it's kind of been up and down, right. Where it felt like for that good three years, right. When Mandalorian season one and everything was coming out was just, you know, bang, bang, bang. Everything was good. They were solid. And then they kind of got distracted. So, so that's how I'm taking it. That there's going to be. So a I'm, I'm guessing then that this also means that he'll have his, his fingerprint stamp on anything that Lucasfilm is involved in, which means an extra probably executive producer credit or whatever creative credit. And it, so, which bumps up his pay raise, obviously in addition to whatever salary he's making. But I'm just wondering like how much power, like is, is he going to have the final say when stuff is kind of thrown on the wall to see if it sticks? I mean, nobody knows for sure, but that's the way where it's meant to to sound so far, right? I mean, when you're saying chief creator, right. creator, right? Um, well, this is this is the step in the right direction, right? This is what we kind of, as fans, want to see. At least I know I do. Well, the one thing I'm hoping it does, though, is it it allows him to focus more on just that though right bringing it to a single voice and not be solely responsible for writing everything right? right because i feel like when when dave is trying to do too much that's when star wars suffers i think when he's given just you know one project or something like that where he's writing and doing everything it it goes out of the park but when he's he's got the right vision and i think it's like okay everyone come to him and to your point, Kevin, right? He's the final decision maker, but he keeps the the sto- story flowing, right? Um, he makes it make sense um, because they don't really have something where the Marvel comics um, or, or the MCU, I should say, has to be able to fall back, right? They don't have all this great, <laughs> uh, not that they don't have the legend stuff, but we know they're probably not going to tap into that very often. Unlike the Marvel MCU world where they have so much, you know, where Kevin Feige and, and then the writers there can tap into, you know, if they don't like this daredevil, they can go to that daredevil, right? Which they're doing, right? They're kind of retapping dare, uh, daredevil with, with the, uh, what reborn or whatever it's at. Right. So, Right. That's where hopefully, you know, 
Filoni will be able to to keep it, like I said, a single voice, make it make sense, um, and still keep it thematic too. Because sometimes there's been parts where it's like yeah, that just doesn't feel Star Wars, right? right. Um, even though Filoni's been tat- t- uh, attached to it, but again, like I said, we'll see. I, I think one of the big things that comes out of this too is this really gets a little bit of definition that Lucasfilm of the of the structure because even though we're not quite sure all of Dave Filoni's role in this as create as head of creative. Basically, it means that the final creative decisions will be his, which takes that out of Kathleen Kennedy's hands so she can focus more on the business side as she has is been hinting for the last few years that she's closer to retirement than, than what is being hinted on. And this is something that Dave has basically been training under with John Favreau to take over since really with the advent of Disney+. And I think if anybody can keep at least Star Wars on a path and making sure it's not going too far into left field or what it is Dave because I mean he's he, he's the walking encyc- breathing encyclopedia of all things Star Wars <laughs> so but we have some other news too because there is another franchise and another film that is starting to get its momentum going um, James Gunn's Superman film of course James Gunn is in charge of DC over at Warner Brothers now and they had a very significant piece of casting announced just the other day because we have had our Superman, and now we have our Lex Luthor. And he's, none other than Nicholas Holt will be playing Lex Luthor. And guys, I got to say, I actually really like this casting because I think Nicholas Holt is very underrated as an actor. And he can play an evil. And I will say this he will make us forget about Jesse Eisenberg real quick. Uh, I like him. Uh, I I, uh, will be bringing him up again later in this podcast. But of course, I remember him in uh, Warm Warm Bodies. Is that what it was? Where he plays the zombie? Yeah. I think it was. And uh, of course, he was one of the war boys in uh, the Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, And he did a movie called, forgetting the name of it, but it was with uh, Felicity Jones from. rogue one where uh they were kind of on the run from the mob uh in in europe I, i'm forgetting the name of it but i just like him overall i think this will be good he's a good actor too so i think he'll he'll dive right into it and i think that if you're going to do a superman movie and i had to look up to see who played superman and it's it's david corn sweat sweat corn corn sweat i think that's how you pronounce it um not really familiar with a lot of his stuff but uh at least you have someone to uh, fall into the shoes of the uh, the most iconic Superman villain, uh, Derek. What do you think? I mean, have you been following what Gunn has been doing with the DC universe, or are you just kind of in that wait and see mode here? Yeah, I'm kind of wait and see. I'll I'll be honest. I, I love Nicholas Holt. I, I'm with Kevin. Right, he's a phenomenal actor. But as Lex Luthor, I I don't care for that particular. Just because to me, Lex Luthor. And this is no discredit to Nicholas, but he looks too much like a, a young kid, like a college kid, right? He's got that face up. I need Lex Luthor to look like a man, like like a 40, 50-year-old man, right? To me, that's Lex Luthor because I need somebody who's been in the world, who's been in the business. Jesse Eisenberg and, and Nicholas Holt here, they're, they're like, you know, and I guess if they want to, you know, I guess 
and this is where I'm different compared to kids nowadays, you know, people under their thirties, um, where, you know, you can have these mogul enterprise kids, you know, content creators be in their, you know, late, late teens and early twenties and be worth millions of dollars, um, or billions of dollars for some of these, you know, Logan Paul and Jake Paul type deal. And I just, to me, that, that, that doesn't feel like Lex Luthor. I, I need somebody who's been in the world, who's seen things, who's, who's been, you know, has enough time to like lay his grubby paws in, in, in everything and politics and the underworld and all that stuff. And somebody who's in his thirties, just, I, I just doesn't feel like it. Like, was he, you know, born into a mob crime house? I don't know. Right. So I just, I, I'm that's that type of person where it's like, I need a, I need a, you know, and the same thing with Superman, like, okay, they're going to cast somebody. So that way we could have him for the next 30 years. All right, fine, whatever. But um, you know, give me, give me a man <laughs> and no, no discredit to Nicholas. I mean, he's obviously, yeah, well, and this, this is the aspect of this that Gunn has said, this is a younger Superman. So it makes sense to have a little bit of a younger Lex Luthor, but I think, I think Nicholas can get there. Um, I I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what's going on, but if you want to talk about casting that I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling this casting and this is not official, but it's been, re- it's being reported pretty heavy that it's going to happen. Um, Pedro Pascal, Reed Richards. Um, we we know Pedro's fantastic, but I am just not feeling this casting here. Um, I, he just doesn't. I love Pedro, but he's just not Reed Richards, Derek. Yeah, Reed Richards with an accent. Uh, um, <laughs> so unless if they're gonna get you know, you know, uh, where is he from? Cuba? I can't remember where is he from exactly. Uh, Venezuela is he Venezuela? Venezuela? I think it's yeah, South American, yeah, yeah South American. Yeah. So, if they're going to make them all South American and go that route, okay, that's fine. Let's do a different twist on it then altogether. But, um, <laughs> and again, yeah, I love Pedro, right? And you're talking to the Star Wars guy here, so um, everything he's done, um, and he's been great. And again, you know, that was to me, he was kind of the shining moment in Wonder Woman 84. I thought he was probably the best part. Um, out of that debacle of a, a DC movie. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Kyle. I'm not feeling it. Um, if that's the rumor or not, I mean, you know. Yeah. I'm kind of curious because we have Vanessa Kirby who is confirmed as um, Sue, Sue Richards. And apparently the film is actually going to be focused on the Sue Richards character or Sue Storm character in this. But Kevin, not only am I not feeling Pedro as Mr. Fantastic, I'm kind of worrying because we had this had this conversation too about Taika Waititi. Are we getting to the point where we maybe have a little bit of Pedro Pascal overexposure? I don't know about that yet because I haven't had any Pascal um, fatigue. Uh, I just don't want him to stop voicing the Mandalorian. Uh, I don't expect him to be in the suit all the time. I don't care about that, but I need him to stay in the Mandalorian uh, world, which he can just come in on a weekend and probably pop that out if he's not going to be in the suit. Um, but no, I'm not there yet, Kyle. Uh, I like him. I like everything he's been in so far. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to wait and see, but, um, I, uh, I love Vanessa Kirby as Sue Storm. I'm a huge fan of Vanessa Kirby. Um, uh, so I'm kind of curious how it's going to go, but I, I was also on the, like, really Reed Richards, Pedro. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. You can play like dude. Yeah, we could we could play Doom. I get um actually Dave Mattingly uh brought up a good point. I like to see him as the maker, the evil Reed Richards. I actually think that would be a better role for Pedro than being the actual Reed Richards, but we'll we'll see. 
how that goes out. Um, welcome back to um, Ben Grimm. I don't know. That's the one. There's been a few names thrown out. Ben Grimm is going to be somebody who's going to be CGI'd anyway. So we'll see. But there is another comic book movie that is coming out before the end of this year. Um, Aquaman and the Lost King Kingdom. I have to admit, I was going into this. I'm going into this film kind of like this feels like it's on lame duck status because of the situation with um, DC and their films and stuff like that. But Momoa's Aquaman is fun, and this trailer looks fun, and I, I'm 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 at least intrigued by what I've seen in this trailer, Kevin. It does look fun. Uh, I'll probably see it just because Jason Momoa is fun to see on the big screen. Uh, and uh, I think that he's uh, having fun doing it. And I'm excited to see uh, him bring back uh, the guy that was kind of the jerk villain from the last movie he did. What was it called? He's Black back Manta. again. No, no. The other guy that was oh, uh, um, his, his brother. His brother. Yeah. Played by um, Patrick Wilson. <sighs> Yeah, thank, no, no, no not, not Patrick Wilson, something else Wilson. Um, maybe you're right. I can't remember. Uh, but the trailer looks fun. I, I probably will check it out. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, Derek, um, yeah, it, well, it is Patrick Wilson, by the way, Kevin. I just looked at it. It is? Um, okay, thank yeah. you. Derek, I want to ask you because there's some – in this trailer, Kevin's might not realize this because he's not a, a, a big comic are they going to do what I think they're going to do in this trailer and pull pull a certain story from the Aquaman that was pretty controversial involving his son? Probably. Um, but I'll be honest, guys. Um, I still haven't even watched the first one. Um, and and to be part of this, too, I've kind of lost interest in anything DC right now, just to the point you were making earlier, Kyle, about everything James Gunn. Like, okay, they're going to make this movie. They're going to release it because they got to make some money back because everything they've done the past three years has been just, you know, bombed or not made the money and they need to recoup something uh, rather than canning everything. And because, you know, he's recasting everyone, I kind of don't have interest because it's like, okay, great. And then nothing else is going to happen potentially with this character unless if they do some infinite crisis and, you know, and then merge everybody again. Um, and he makes a cameo just like they've done with the multiverse and um, <clears throat> and the MCU. But uh, yeah, I'll be he honest. Was in the, he was in the Flash movie. He had a brief scene in that. Yeah, I, I saw that um, on YouTube. I watched it just because I was like, oh, okay, let me see what this is. But I still haven't even watched the Flash either. I mean, I'll at some point when this comes to Max, I'll probably just watch both on a weekend. Um, but like I said, I, and I to to your point earlier, um, Kevin, I I like Momoa. I think he's great. Um, I, I like watching his stuff. I just, you know, I don't know, just haven't had much of a thing for Aquaman, I guess. <laughs> Kyle, um, what, what, what did they do with his son in the comics? Don't well, that I, like that. Uh, there, there, there is something that they do with his son that's pretty controversial. And I don't want to put it out because I don't want to put a spoiler out for people. Okay. You can put it in the private know. chat. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, no off mic or in the, uh, Derek, if you want to drop it in the private chat for him, well. But um, I think this is what I think the deal with the big thing with this Aquaman movie, this is where really where the star of the film is your selling point for the film. People love Momoa as Aquaman. They love the energy he brings. So was I, Amber Heard replaced or was she canceled? I don't know. Uh, she's in She's in it. And how much she's in it. That's the big question. We'll see when the edit comes out. OK, so, yeah, I'm 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 intrigued. Let's put it that way. And, you know, we do have the end of the strikes. Thank 
thankfully, and which means that you know the movie board is shuffling. And one of the biggest movies that it was actually supposed to be in theaters right now that got affected by the strike was Dune Two, and it got put Dune Two got pushed back into kind of mid March. Well. Guys, they've moved Dune 2 again, but they moved it up a couple of weeks. It's now aimed for a March 1st release. Um, I, I'm really excited for Dune 2 because I did the trailers phenomenal. Um, the first Dune film really surprised me. I, I mean, I, I had high hopes for it, but I think it did very well with this. Um, I'm just curious to see how this movie is going to do with the delays and everything like that. Um, one of the things I think would be genius of there and it would be a smart move is they should re-release the first Dune in theaters and at least double feature this, Kevin. That would be a nice little thing. At least get Dune out there for like a week. Maybe yeah. two at the most. Um, and uh, then run, then Dune 2 comes out. Um, and then if you could buy like a double feature, a little marathon ticket, I would do that. That'd be fun, you know? Um, what about you, Derek? I, have you seen? Did you? I'm assuming you saw the first Dune film. Yeah, I, I watched the first one. Right, um, so that was um, everything that came out Max that year. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I, I liked it. It, it. It's a slow burn, right? It's um, but uh, overall, you know, it's it's. I mean, it, it's it's so hard sometimes with the way certain novels are written to translate it to to live action, right, or to any type of um, movie, right? So. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, they've been doing a good job, you know, going with it. So I'm interested obviously for them to capitalize, finish up this first novel, um, with the second part here. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, some of the spoilers they've shown, um, they're kind of crept into the, to the next, um, novel as well, it appears. Um, but, uh, overall, I, I think, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm again, will I see it in theater? I don't know. Just cause I just don't have a whole lot of time. I get to maybe go see an MCU movie every so often. Like I did with the Marvels with the wife on a, a date night here and there, but, um, I'll, I'll definitely be watching it once it hits the max for sure. Yeah. I, 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 am excited. It's an IMAX to me, Kevin, it's a movie you definitely need to see on IMAX if you can. Just, yeah. Or in 3d. I saw the first one in 3d and I would like to see this one in 3d too. If, if it's released in 3d, but that is going to wrap up our news, but we are, we are nowhere near finished with this episode of Culture Clash. So let's get into our main topic. As we said, this is a special Thanksgiving episode of Culture Clash and the return of the Magic 8-Ball. Kevin, it's behaving over there. It's not glowing red or anything like that. It's doing all right. <laughs> um, I actually have a question for, is Derek Marsh going to make it to the end of the show? I mean, I let's, should. Let's see here. Signs point to yes. Yep. Well, that good. <laughs> your, your wife will be appreciative. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to talk the Magic Eight Ball about our top eight, our our eight things in fandom we are truly thankful for. But before we get into that, Kevin, when Kevin and I were discussing the uh, ideas for this show, one of the things we wanted to talk about was some things this year that we were thank thankful for as well. And so we kind of put together some lists on that and one of the first things that we kevin and i i think we're both very thankful for the strikes are over um i this was kind of weighed on us all year finally getting resolution to both the writers and the actor strike um big deal um we can hopefully get between covid causing all the delays and now this hopefully we can now get back to a sense of normal normalcy kevin 
Yeah. And it's just, it's not about like, okay, fine. They can start working on our stuff that we want to see or the movies that it, were in the can and couldn't be released because they didn't want to do the promotion without the, the actors and the, you know, the creatives behind it. But it, I think it's really important with the, uh, um, in the streaming world that a precedent is being set. And this is a, I think like a three year deal or something like that. And I think that with um, streaming out there and the streaming rights and the pay for actors as well uh, with, with residuals, all that kind of stuff. I I'm happy that, that, that they will be getting a bump, both the writers and the actors when it comes to that format, because I feel like with the streaming channels, it was like, kind of kept under wraps, you know, we never knew really like how popular and how many people were watching certain things and that writers were getting screwed as well, you know, um, of, of these, uh, of this new format. And I, and I think it needs to be controlled a little bit more strictly. You know, I, I miss the days of ratings uh, for, you know, broadcast television and stuff like that, you know, uh, or, you know, you know, we do get, you uh, um, still you know movie tallies and stuff like that but you know when stuff comes streaming and movie you know how do you judge the two you know and uh you know so I, i'm glad for uh um the writers and the actors that uh, that is um come to a close for now until it i think three years is a good contract and then it will be up again um we'll see how our streaming is at that point um derek what about you uh, are we, are we, you kind of came in late, and I know sometimes the uh, data upload to the Drunken Gungan is a little slow, especially if the Wi-Fi is fritzy. fritzy. Would you count the ending of the strikes as something you're thankful for this year? Well, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, is it perfect? No. Um, obviously, you know, it, it was something that um, the writers and in, in, in what they were able to, um, you know, work with the studios. Um, but I, I definitely agree. I mean, it, it's so weird to think that when like new media platforms come out like this, that that's not written to the contract for them to redo the contract at that point in time. Um, because it's been many years since stream. It's not like Netflix hasn't been around. Netflix has been around for over 10 years um, at this point on the streaming side, which is crazy to think um, that we've been, you know, able to stream stuff um, over the, you know, and YouTube's been longer than that, those types of things. Right. So um, it's crazy to think. And, and and it's not even the end, too, because obviously there's the music industry um, that's pretty hit pretty hard when it comes to this type of stuff. So um, but, yeah, definitely thankful because, I mean, you you could definitely tell right now um, that their their the release of new stuff has been pushed. Right. You know, like you were talking about Dune, all this stuff, but just things in general, they kind of really push stuff out to kind of slow drip it to us because they were going to run out of content real quick, when it comes to the end of 2024. So we'll be getting things here, you know, slow drip to us probably for the next six to nine months um, until they're able to get some, you know, some of the stuff caught back up. Very, very true. And one of the other things I was thankful for personally this year and it was as much to do about the ending of COVID and getting people back into the theaters more than it is really about the movies themselves, even though they were outstanding films. But guys, I am thankful for the Barbie Heimer effect that we had over the summer with these two films for a couple of reasons. One, it did get people back into theaters. And I think that was something that was very important, especially considering we knew the strikes were coming and, we knew, but theaters really needed this. And two, the aspect of 
people were flocking to these movies and they weren't what I would call huge franchise type films. They weren't an MCU. They weren't a star Wars. They weren't a fast and furious or something like that. These were two films that really did stand alone and were more than just, Oh, this is the next action movie out. This is um, the craziness of it. These were two legitimately interesting, intriguing and well thought out films, Kevin, for totally different reasons. But the fact it came out the same day and everything with it, just it got people talking. It got people into the theaters. And that was a wonderful thing to see. I actually went to the theater and saw both of these on the same day, back to back in the same theater. I went to the man's or TLC Chinese theaters. It's called now in Hollywood, the famous one. I saw Oppenheimer on IMAX at 6 a.m. And then I at uh, 10 a.m. I went and saw Barbie. So I did the double feature. I did this. And uh, so it got me in the theater, of course, and it got me to go see it in an iconic theater setting as well. Uh, for me, one is more rewatchable than the other, uh, but it was nice to see both of these. And uh, Barbie, billion-dollar film. <laughs> Go go fi- go figure. Now, Derek, I know I know you don't get to get you've got a busy schedule, so you don't get the time. Did you or anybody in your family get to see either one of these films? No, um, I mean we definitely Christina and I I, I want to see Barbie um you know at some point here, and I know Christina does definitely for sure. We just yeah, obviously trying to commit to that kind of time <laughs> just wasn't gonna happen. And I, I'm disappointed though, you guys didn't mention it was the uh Saw Patrol as well, was the other uh, when they were trying to get people to do when they were trying to watch Saw 10 and the Paw Patrol. <laughs> Saw and but but also um we gotta give a shout out to the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, that was very successful. I got all the kids yeah. and the family in there as well. So yeah. But I want to give credit to Maverick last year for actually opening up that door again after post-COVID because people started people went to Maverick um, yeah. like in droves. Tenet tried to be that movie, but because Tenet was Tenet, it wasn't. (laughs) But Maverick came out just at the right time. And then like, okay, now it's safe to go to movies. And then these two movies come out um, and definitely made an imprint. So yes, Mm -hmm. Dave, 6 a.m. showing Uh, Oppenheimer came out. It was showing like around the clock at that theater. You could go to a 3 a.m. showing if I remember correctly. Now, that's hilarious. Yeah. The, the next thing up that of things that we are thankful for is one, Kevin and I are definitely in agreement. We are very thankful for the final season of Star Trek Picard, the giving us the, what we hoped from the Picard series all along, bringing together all of the cast of Star Trek, the next generation to give them a, a, a final bow out together, proper, well done, well executed. Kevin, we talked about we were in love with the show on the Union Federation podcast. Um, I know you just gush about Star Trek Picard season. This is how you pay tribute to the original source material and give the original cast a send off. <clears throat> uh, not only did we get the Enterprise D back, but we got Jean-Luc Picard and the rest of the cast at the very end playing poker. And it was a joy to watch. And, uh, you know, season one and two of Picard was uh, hit and miss. Uh, it had some great moments, but um, with Terry Metalis, um, you know, putting everything right, basically, uh, season three of Picard really, really did a wonderful job of uh, showcasing the TNG group 
and giving them uh, some wonderful material to work with and sending them out uh, the right way. It was absolute wonder to watch the show and the podcast about it on the Fandom Podcast Network. Now, Derek, even the Drunken Gungan did a little yielding for Picard season three, didn't it? Oh, of course. Um, it was actually probably the only show outside of Star Wars um, for this particular season um, that uh, I, I pretty much watched it every week. I didn't I didn't get to watch it always every Thursday um, when it dropped, but at least within the first um, 48 hours, I was watching it. So um, you could definitely tell when it uh, does something like that for a show. For me, obviously, I've got a vested interest, in, and I just thought overall – to the points Kevin talked about. I mean, you know, him and I feel the same way about the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Again, you know, that's what it should have been, um, was, you know, honoring our original cast members. And then if you want to kill them off, that's fine. But at least we got our moment where they're all together. They go on one true last heroic mission. And, you know, we get that final quote unquote send off before you do it. Um, and you know, uh, there obviously was a couple of things that were fan service for this one, but I didn't care because that's what I wanted. Right. I mean, you're literally watching a show called Picard, right? I, I'm okay with that. So, <laughs> um, and it just, it hit a lot of moments. I mean, there was, and, and the casting of the other characters that they brought in again, they, they, um, you know, rumor is whether they're still going to do. Um, you know, the, the, the enterprise with everyone that, you know, with, with Jack seven, and seven, seven nine Raffi, and, uh, yeah. And yeah. all them, it, that's fine. But at least at the end of the day, they weren't front and center. Our main cast was front and center. They were part of that journey with them. And that's how you pass the torch. Well, well said the next thing, Kevin, I know you're th thankful for, um, you are such a huge football fan. And you know you were you put this on your list, and you have some very special reasons why you put this on your list. Ted Lasso, one of my favorite new shows, uh, only had three seasons, but boy, were they good! And uh, um, this last uh, um, September, my wife and I went to uh, England for um, uh, three weeks. And uh, a good friend of mine uh, a couple of years ago hooked me up when the first season came out with a Ted Lasso uh, jersey, a Roy Kent jersey. And uh, I want to give a shout out to my buddy Keith, um, uh, Keith Mandeville. And uh, uh, I took that with me and we went to Richmond, um, UK, which is uh, east of London. You could take a train there. And they have fully embraced Ted Lasso there. Uh, it has increased a lot of tourism over there. And uh, the city right in this area, if you're familiar with the TV series, that they film it all around in this area. And uh, so I had to walk down the little uh, I, the little uh, um, pathway that Ted Lasso always does when he goes to work. And you can go to the bar. The bar is a real bar uh, that they film there. We went there. My wife and I had a drink and uh, the little courtyard out there as well. Uh, but more importantly, that series was a really good character study on um, characters' redemption characters involvement and um you know a very good example of how to lead people without maybe knowing how to play the game <laughs> he learns later uh but uh, uh jason sudeikis did a wonderful job as ted lasso and bringing this uh, team together and uh, hannah uh hannah weddingham who plays the team owner she uh, just turned out to be 
probably the breakout star outside of Ted Lasso. She was just wonderful as a team owner. Very, very, uh, very entertaining lady as well. And you can also see her on Apple Plus. She has her own holiday special out right now. She's a very accomplished singer herself. Very funny. Uh, but Ted Lasso, to me, really hit a certain chord this year. And I'm sad to see it uh, go. I hope some way and one way we'll get Ted Lasso back. And it was great to go to the filming locations with my wife because we both enjoyed Ted Lasso. The show that put Apple TV Plus on the map. Let's be honest. Yes. Yes. Let's, let's, let's be honest. And with Apple TV raising the rates now, I was paying $6.99 a month. Now they're $9.99 or something like that. $10.99. I can't remember. Everybody's okay. raising their rates. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't know if I want to keep it now that Ted Lasso's gone. So they better come up with some good stuff. No, they, they have some good stuff. I'll talk about that in a little <laughs> bit. But Derek, did you watch any Ted Lasso? Uh, we're still working through season one. <laughs> um, it's a show that uh, that uh, that we um, have enjoyed. I just haven't been able to watch it fully through. So, um, but yeah, I do I do like the the show so far. Just like I said, slowly slowly but surely. <laughs> Well, next on the list of things that we are thankful for, something that I was incredibly thankful for, incredibly surprised by, and <clears throat> excuse me, I put it down as the greatest video game adaption of all time, and that is The Last of Us on HBO. We were talking about Pedro Pascal earlier. He is phenomenal in this. This show was breathtaking. The show was incredible. The show was so much more than what I was expecting, and it was phenomenal. It, it became water cooler television, which I thought we were kind of done with after the Game of Thrones had ended. Yeah. And we, we <laughs> all good. thought we were kind of burned out on some zombies because of The Walking Dead. And yet this show just hit every chord, Kevin. And we covered this show with our good friend John Moss because he was so impressed by it and such a fan of it. Um, I can, Season two starts filming right after the holidays. I cannot wait for the return of The Last of Us. Yeah, it was uh, a surprise to me. The drama was great. The acting was great. The setting was great. Everything was great about it. My only hang up on it, though, is I don't know how rewatchable it is for me because it's a tough watch. <laughs> it's depressing at times. It really is. But I find it fascinating. I'm definitely going to watch it once. Derek, did you did you watch The Last of Us? Nope, haven't got a chance to do it yet. Sorry. <laughs> that is quite all right. That is not a problem. Um, lastly, Kevin, you have something from this year that you were very thankful for. That was a lot of fun. This is one of the movies that surprised me the most. Renfield. And this is where I, would, I told you I was going to bring Nicholas Halt up again. My wife and I went to go see this, and we were just kind of like, yeah, let's go check it out. You know, we get to see Nicholas Cage as a – is Dracula and uh, we'll see how it goes. And it was a dark comedy. It was extremely violent and bloody and extremely hilarious. I think it's an underrated film that more people need to see. Everyone that I know that has seen it has enjoyed it. And I got it on my old Blu-ray digital right here. Highly worth it. This is the uh, Dracula sucks edition. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Nicholas Holt stars as Renfield, the tortured aide to Historic's most narcissistic boss, Dracula, played by Nicholas Cage. For centuries, Renfield has savagely served Dracula by procuring his master's prey and doing his every bidding, no matter how debased. But now Renfield is ready to look for a new life outside the shadow of the Prince of Darkness. If only he can figure out how to end the toxic codependent relationship and the funniest scenes are when he is in therapy with his other therapy friends that are in toxic relationships. <laughs> and when um, Vampire uh, finds out, things get very interesting. 
now, Derek, did you, like I said, they had that data feed on the drunken gun. It was a little kind of like the hyperdrive, a little temperamental. <laughs> Is there anything that you want to bring up that came out within the year of 2023 that you're thinking? Yeah, I've got um, three things. I mean, obviously, just all-encompassing Star Wars, I thought everything that came out this year was was pretty darn good. Um, obviously, being able to see um, live-action Ahsoka, you know, and, and then what they did with the Clone Wars, um, that was that was wonderful. Um, and then obviously seeing, you know, basically Rebels Season 5, as we like to joke about. But not related to Star Wars, um, there's a few things that I was super um, thankful to see this year. The first one um, is One Piece, um, the live action. So that is really good. Um, super, you know, excited that they actually got something right when it comes to anime, um, because there's, you know, talk about, you know, what we get with sometimes Star Trek or Star Wars, those IPs, anime, just like almost all video games is like, you know, less than ten percent when it comes to really well done when when they translate it to either movies and or live action. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously that one, you guys touched it earlier, the super Mario brothers, um, phenomenal film. Um, then the other, um, thing that I was super, super, um, happy about this year, um, was venture brothers got its final movie. Um, I, I love the venture brothers. It was a show that I started watching way back when I was in college over 20 years ago, um, when it first came out, it's just one of those shows that, you know, the, the writers, um, you know, t- took a long time to, to put up with this stuff. And when Adult Swim was not going to renew them, then <laughs> HBO, you know, when they bought all that stuff from Adult Swim, they were going to let them renew it for a final season. But then that got dragged out and turned into a final movie. So at least we got that. Um, I would like R- to see real, real quick. I need to finish the Venture Brothers. I went through season four. Then like in between seasons, I lost track of it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, and I saw it for like DVD at Walmart. But it was like $90. And I'm like, ouch. <laughs> so I'm going to catch it when it drops later because I do want to see that movie. But I want to like I want to marathon the entire series because I really enjoyed it. You can watch the whole entire series see uh series on Max if you have. It is on Max. Oh, that's yeah. good to know. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that was you can, so funny. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and it's one of the few things that over the years that I actually I'm with you bought the DVDs, Kevin. Um, yeah. so I actually own all the 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 seasons on it though. Now it's crazy to think the last season came out like seven years ago at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we finally get the movie that it was. Um, but no, just super thankful um for that as well. Um, and then I know we're gonna talk about it um you know a little bit later here with your next thing but just super super excited to hopefully see kaiju here um you know hitting the not just big screen um which which sounds like great reviews coming up but also what's coming out on um the streaming we we are going to be talking about that in fact magic eight ball has waited long enough let's get into the main thing the eight things we're thankful for because magic eight ball So first up for me, I try to do my list kind of based on some different criteria. I didn't want to just say the MCU or Star Wars, even though I am incredibly thankful for those. But what I am thankful for with those things is this, the creators. And I am, that means Kevin Feige for Marvel, Dave Filoni for Star Wars, and the man who has his three fingerprints all over both in the modern sense, one John Favreau, because we don't have the MCU. If John Favreau doesn't make Iron Man and Iron Man is you don't have the MCU without Kevin Feige taking it to the next level. And what Dave Filoni has done, keeping star Wars alive in a way and being the man who's really, in some ways 
maybe he contributed more to Star Wars than anybody else throughout history, even more than George at this point. Um, I'm thankful for these creators. I'm thankful for the fact that they've kept these franchises alive for us. Yes, they're in a little bit of this, of a rocky time at times, but you know what? They're here and they're working hard to try to keep these franchises relevant and put out quality product as well. As well, and I, I, I'm, they're both important to me, and the men behind them are important to me as well. Uh, quick note on that, Kyle. I feel like we have, because I know that with Filoni and Favreau met when Favreau was working on another film at Skywalker Ranch or Sound. It might have been Elf or something. I yeah, can't remember. I, mean, I think it might have been Elf. Yeah, yeah. that's how they and met then, the animation portion. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you know we have to kind of thank Elf in a way. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, then of course, then he goes and does, does audio, uh, he gets invited to voice a character on the clone wars. And then one thing led to another, and that relationship, uh, just stayed there for a while. And, and then also got, uh, Disney's attention when, uh, you know, he went in and did, um, uh, Iron Man, which we're very, very thankful for. So yeah, but Kevin Feige, look at this guy, man, just like always being around, just being a constant, you know, making sure you know, the synergy of all the films work together and tying in all of the uh, end credit scenes and mid credit scenes. And just, it's that, that, that's just a phenomenal thing right there. He's been able to do. Derek, any thoughts here? I mean, obviously, uh, like I said, yeah, for what they were able to put out this year, um, I definitely, um, you know, appreciate it. Yeah. I, I feel like there was, um, you know, some missteps the past few years with Marvel, um, so, you know, phase four hasn't been my most favorite, um, which it felt like everything for the infinity saga was just <clears throat> flawless for the most part. Um, but, uh, this has been, you know, kind of bumpy to your point, um, earlier. So, uh, yeah, I just, yeah. But again, I am thankful to have some of it be really good and I'll take some of the not so good along with it because that means we get the things that we're going to get. Kevin, you got something you're very thankful for. Yeah, I got a tie. Uh, there's there's two things that I'm very, very thankful for. And uh, one is, of course, Highlander. Uh, we do a podcast here on the Fandom Podcast Network called Blood of Kings. Lee Fillings, this is my co-host. We, of course, started it back in 2016 with our uh, uh, former um, co-host and former founder of the Fandom Podcast Network, Norman Lau. Blood of Kings and uh, Highlander is very personal to me because it is how I met my lovely wife, Erin, and we have bonded on Highlander together, especially the original film. We've gone to Scotland and I got some pictures of us in Scotland there at Highlander, iconic Highlander locations, including the famous church scene with uh, the Kurgan and uh, Connor McLeod. And of course the famous uh, Eileen Dewan castle that we see in the beginning of the original Highlander film. And then, that's a picture of Aaron and I. We got married uh, last year in Las Vegas. Uh, we kind of had a little spooky, uh, you know, aliens theme as well because we're big fans of aliens. And so I'm, a, I'm uh, Highlander will always be a special place in my heart. Shout out to uh, Highlander Heart, the other wonderful uh, Highlander page. It's run by our friend Grant Kempster. And uh, as far as he knows, we are the first uh, Highlander couple to meet there and get married. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say Highlander is so special to you and, you know, obviously brought you and your wife together. So it's always going to have a special place in my heart too. And I'm thankful for what it's done for you. Uh, Tied with it is the fandom podcast network, Kyle, you a brother from another mother, man. 
you hit you hit me up at 2015 uh dragon con saying hey you want to do a podcast i'm like yeah hit me up after dragon con can't think about it right now <laughs> and uh, i was living in atlanta at the time and the best thing about uh the fandom podcast network is uh you are a uh oh you know my best friend and uh my uh, fellow brother in podcasting, and we've got to share some actual time together at football games, at Dragon Con, and you know, uh, you know, you've been to, you know, hung out with my daughter, and uh, so yeah, we, we've uh, we've been through a lot, and we've done, uh, we've we've put together something special here at the Fandom Podcast Network, and uh, I'm will be ever forever grateful that you reached out to me because of the stuff that we've been able to do, and uh, thus creating this family under the umbrella like Derek and uh, Scott and Nathan for what a piece of junk, as well as everyone else, uh, you know, with uh, Adam and, and lethal weapon our lethal mullet podcast and um, you know, type 40 with uh, Dan. And of course with Haley and um, Amy for union federation podcast. And uh, it's just in Lee with bloody Kings, as I mentioned, uh, and Lacey and everyone else that's contributed to the fandom podcast network. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been my biggest hobby for many years now. And I'm always be forever thankful. Uh, it's semi cutting onions. Um, uh, just, um, no, <laughs> yeah, every day I'm thankful for the fandom podcast network. I'm thankful you agreed to my crazy ideas at, at, at the time. And, um, <laughs> I just, just really, you, you're you're my best friend and uh you know we've been through like you said we've been through a lot you've been with my you spent time with my family we've we've, sh- yep. we've shared a lot of interesting things over the years and just um been there for each other and you know everything with the fandom podcast network like you know, you know i i tell everybody who's involved in this you it's it's not just hey we're getting together for podcasting we are a family here and that's something yep. i am so incredibly proud of and that um, I have met, made some amazing friends and people who I consider friends and family um, from this. And I would not change anything of it for the world. And um, we're all we're on that note. I was going to save this for torture at the end of the show, but I'm also so thankful for everybody out there who listens and gives us their valuable time. during Everyone in the chat here too, you yeah. know? Yeah. We yeah. appreciate that. Whether, whether you listen, watch, join in the chat, you guys are amazing. And, we don't we don't do this without you guys and we do this for you guys. So this is a this is a labor of love and uh, so thankful for it. And I, I don't know if Derek is appreciative of what we dragged him into. I don't think he really had any idea <laughs> at the time. <laughs> it's it's as, as Star Wars, right? It's a love-hate relationship sometimes. <laughs> no, it's no, it's again, yeah. No, thankful guys. Um, obviously I have been blessed to have great, um, co-hosts on what a piece of junk. Um, it's always great when, when you guys are able to join us or some of the other guests that we've had, um, you know, whether they're part of the fandom podcast network or just star Wars fans in general. So when we bring them on, um, it's great. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just a great way of communicating it. Um, whether there's listeners or not, um, you know, you still get to speak your mind and opinion and get it out there. And hopefully, um, as, as you were mentioning, Kyle, at least, you know, hopefully at least there's one listener out there. Um, but, uh, obviously just, you know, crazy to think that we've been doing this now. Uh, what, when did, well, the network exhausts the years and you guys five. Yeah. I was gonna say it was 2018, right? When, when, or 2019, when Mando came out, no, it was 18. Yeah. Crazy to think it was 18. Yeah. So it's five years. Um, cause it was October 
of 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 18 when it came out so crazy to think yeah we're basically aligned with the uh, birth of disney plus so however i'm also thankful think. to you derek that if i have any questions about the worth of any star wars or star trek ccg cards i can go to you now <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, that's definitely uh, still passion. So it's always great to, to right, do put, that. put up uh, David Sendin's comment there again, Kyle. Yes. Like yeah, he is the one who dragged me into this podcasting thing at the beginning. So, yes. Good. <laughs> Thankful You're to doing, that. doing doing some Star Wars Rebels with him and Matt. Quinton, so. <laughs> there you go. Shout out to those guys. Um, He's now the master. Yeah. Um. Okay. Next thing I am incredibly thankful for this not only this year, but just in general, is something that has had a resurgence in the past year. And it's on a 60th anniversary, too, because, guys, Godzilla. Um, I grew up as a kid, Superstation WTBS um, in Alaska, one of the few cable channels we got on a consistent basis, showing all those old man in rubber suit, campy 70s Godzilla films and I grew up on those and got Go Baragon. Go Baragon. Yeah. <laughs> I had the Godzilla Shogun Warriors toy as a kid. And I just as I've grown up the appreciation for what Godzilla is and what it's become in these last in this last really I would say decade with the legendary pictures films here in the US starting with Godzilla in 2014 to the release of Shin Godzilla, the last Japanese film to hit the U.S. theaters in 2016. And, of course, one week from tomorrow, Godzilla Minus One drops in theaters here in the United States, the first Japanese Godzilla film since Shin Godzilla, and it looks phenomenal. And, of course, we have to the new Monarch series on Apple TV+, Plus, which I will be talking about a little bit later. And, of course, Godzilla Kong coming out in April of 2024. Uh, it's a primetime Godzilla. Um, Derek? I know, I know you are very excited about our, one of our favorite kaijus. Yeah, I, I mean, whether I'll get to see it in theater or not, obviously Godzilla is meant for theater too, right? It's like that. Mm -hmm. But whether I get a chance to go see it or not will be one thing. Um, I usually like try to like go out on Tuesdays when it's $6 movie night um, at the local movie tavern here. Um, if I can get get away, but otherwise, um, yeah, super excited. And yeah, I'll be, um, like I said, super excited, uh, to, to watch the, the series here pretty soon. Um, like I said, I've, I've got a little bit of time in the evenings and, and that's where I usually try to get like a show or two in, get an episode or so in. Um, so I'll definitely be able to, you know, catch up this, uh, since I'm doing the podcast tonight, uh, I'll be the next couple of nights I'll be able to watch it, but yeah, super excited. Kevin, I, I know you you actually went to Shin Godzilla in the theater and enjoyed it. Do you have a Godzilla minus one ticket yet? No, I don't. I I know that's not probably going to be playing anywhere near me because our theater our theaters here suck. <laughs> I have to drive like an hour south to the good theaters like the AMC and stuff. So uh, when is that showing again? What date? Uh, the tw next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. I'll have to look into that, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just thankful for everything Godzilla has done for me growing up and I cannot, I cannot wait, but, um, Derek, have anything you want to throw into the hopper while here real quick as far as things you're just in fandom, you're thankfully general. Or are you going to just ride along the ride with us? Um, 
uh, like I said, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, right? What's, what's hit up, but, uh, I mean, definitely I've, I've been, you know, scouring your guys's list as I get the notes, um, before the, the listeners get to hear and the viewers, but, uh, definitely some of the things on your guys's list, I'll definitely be chiming in some more stuff. So, um, but overall just thankful for, for my family and my friends, um, whether that's, you know, in person or even on the podcast world or online video game world that I play with a little bit. Um, you know, just great to have time to, to hang out with friends like you guys yourself tonight. And then, you know, just the health and wellness of my family, um, you know, got to, to do a, uh, trip earlier, um, just a, four weeks ago for the first time, uh, took Sophia to Disney world. Um, so she got on her plane ride and, and, you know, got to go do all that stuff. Um, it's interesting, um, when you have, and, and I'm sure Kevin can relate to this a little bit when, you know, we remember how we were growing up as boys and I'm an only child, so I never really got to experience the things that girls did, right? You always be like, as a boy, like, ew, that's girl stuff. But now <laughs> that I have a daughter, like, it's kind of like you have to get into it. <laughs> but the cool thing about kids nowadays is that girls can like things that boys like, you know? So she gets a mixture between, you know, unicorn, princess, sparkly thing, or Super Mario Brothers, or, you know, uh, Young Jedi, or whatever, you know, Spidey and Amazing Friends, or like I said, Rainbow Rangers, whatever, whatever mixture your stuff but it's all over <laughs> good news kyle it is playing in my town oh, there you nice go. shin godzilla well, i have to see if i can watch it kevin up next is a classic we're all and we, we know everybody on this podcast is thankful for it. yeah star wars is on my list for obvious reasons um it holds a special place in my heart it's uh you know it's interesting though i you know i could definitely talk about the movies but i want to talk more about the community and uh you know, when it comes to uh, Derek and our guys at What a Piece of Junk and, and, and the Star Wars podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network, but the Star Wars celebrations, uh, the fact that uh, I worked for a company that produced the Star Wars card game for many years, and I got to experience that. I got to have a character um, in the Star Wars universe use my name, uh, and my name is an anagram for an actual character. Not a good character, but definitely a character. Uh, and the community of the 501st Rebel Legion and all of the other Star Wars costumes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, there it is. Welcome to Zeri. <laughs> and now yeah. there's an actual action. Thank you for having that handy there, dude. <laughs> yeah, Derek, Derek, put that up again. I'm making you full screen so everybody I, can I, really I bought, can. I bought, a, I, I, as, I, as I do, Kevin, like you were saying, I bought a lot um a few months ago and i'm still kind of working through stuff and i happen to be sorting through because i'm off this week so i was like there you go so yes it's a uh uh anagram for kevin reitzel <laughs> there it is yeah and and he it was kind of validated in a recent uh post disney um uh star wars encyclopedia he's in there uh yep. which is great and they also released an action figure finally it is out there of velkin tazari i have to get my hands on it so. but 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 have have you applied for actor membership then kevin because you should be no. able, you know, start getting invited to cons now you can start doing your own booth <laughs> and signing autographs of the what i actually like, want to do is make a costume i want to eventually do okay. a costume since i'm part of the 501st and rebel legion that's one of the reasons why i wanted to bring this up because i've I love that community. I love be the friends that I have uh, accumulated uh, in the 501st and Rebel Legion and stuff. And, you know, that's bled over into other fandoms and stuff. But uh, I saw this when it first came out, Star Wars, uh, 1977 in the theater. I was six years old. And uh, this iconic Hildebrandt poster is uh, one of my most 
memorable scenes I remember, and I have this, I have a similar poster uh, here in the house, an original print of it. Uh, and um, I could go on and on and on. Um, and of course it's, you know, we've been through some trying times as of late, you know, when it comes to certain material, but uh, um, you know, I still love the original series and I've become a big fan of uh, solo and rogue one. I love those post uh, Disney films as well. So um, you know, I, I like to do the uh, blow up the Death Star and Midnight situation as well that uh, Rebel Force Radio uh, famously started. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's bled into my other fandoms as well when it comes to um, cosplay. So, yeah, um, I, I could like you, I could go on and on and on about it. Let's just say that, you know, like so many people, of, especially of our age, Kevin, I mean, this was a huge influence on us from a very young age to now. And, you know, it's always been a part of our lives and we, we were very lucky to have such an amazing idea and concept be part of our lives and what up, down, whatever, we still love it. And we will, we will still support it because you know what? It's important to us and we're thankful for it. And we're living in a special time where there's uh, so much new material to, to digest, whether you know, it's not all perfect, but it's there, you know? And I love that. Derek, yeah, I know you have thoughts. Oh, I mean, as I mentioned, uh, there's no reason for me to have my own specific list of things because you guys all <laughs> like the same <laughs> things I do <laughs> and what we're all thankful for. I mean, yeah, I mean, come on. Um, you know, it's one of my top fandoms of all time. Um, it, it's made me who I am, right? Um, you know, I, I do a lot of the things that I do in my spare time and free time. Um, you know, hopefully as as my daughter continues to get older, um, and, and starts to comprehend the things that, you know, she watches, um, you know, we'll be able to start developing some type of relationship, um, when it comes to going to the movies and, and doing those types of things. Right. Um, and at some point, hopefully we'll have some star Wars movies that I get to take her to, <laughs> and that would be fun. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, it, it, it holds a special place in my heart because as you guys know, right. You didn't, Back in the day, you didn't get to buy your tickets in advance as you guys were doing here, right? If you did, it was an admittance ticket, but you had to go stand in line <laughs> oh, days the, the. hours before um, the actual I, midnight showing of that Friday night. It wasn't no Thursday the, at 6 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I think the last time I remember uh, going in line and buying tickets because I didn't want to trust the internet was for The Force Awakens. <laughs> Um, fan, or the 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 twenty four hours in line for the Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was Phantom Menace all the way all the way up to Revenge of the Sith, and um, that was just one of those things that you know it's crazy. I think my dad's been you know passed away over twelve years now at this point, but that was something that we used to do. We used to go to those movies because obviously he loved star Wars as a kid. He got to see the things, you know, um, like Kevin got to do, obviously he was a little bit older. Um, but, um, those are the things that then when they did the special edition, I, um, as well as them doing those things and just the fandom of people out there. Right. Because I just want to, I want to say that I, as your daughter gets older, I hope that you do get to share more star Wars with her. Cause I got to do that with my daughter, Camille, you know, uh, the clone wars, she really kind of gravitated towards, but yeah. I did take her to uh, Force Awakens and the other films as well. So uh, I look forward to seeing you do that later, man. That's going to be special. Yep. 
So, but yeah, just between those types of things, um, you know, those are the things that I hold in my heart and my memory. Um, because like I said, that was one of the things that we used to do was go see the movies, right? When Lord of the Rings came back, you know, out in the early 2000s, that was the type of thing um, that I'd yeah. go do. Um, and then we used to, we would do it every Christmas Eve was the big um, family shindig um, that uh, we would do because everyone had kids at that point from my mom's side of the family. So they'd all want to be Christmas morning with their own family. So we would do Christmas Eve um, would be that, but we wouldn't get done um, being there all day till, you know, well, almost after midnight, by the time we'd leave grandma's, we would drive home, you know, 15, 20 minute drive, but we wouldn't go to bed. My dad and I would literally stay up and watch the original trilogy all night into the morning and at, you know, 6 or 7 a.m. when we were finishing, that's when we would open up Christmas presents. Nice. So. Nice. Well, on to the next thing that I am thankful for. This beautiful creature right here, the xenomorph. <laughs> and, and I'm going I'm to be honest with you. The xenomorph in the last few years has taken on even a more special. Knowing the love, mutual love that Kevin and Aaron have. Of the xenomorph and i know it helped bring them together just warms my heart <laughs> and, and lv426 will have a totally different meaning for me for the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> um but honestly too just uh, as far as a phantom thing one of the greatest creations in science fiction of all time and not only responsible for one of the most entertaining series of films and yes it's had its ups and downs but because somebody somewhere decided they'd be funny and put a alien head on the back wall of a predator ship created some of the best storytelling books and comic books of all time with the aliens versus predator series and hopefully somebody will actually get a good aliens versus predator film but yeah the xenomorph it's to me it's it's probably when i think alien this is what i think I, you know, we, we may talk ET, we may talk to predator, so many out there, but when somebody says alien aliens, it, it, it's one thing it's the xenomorph, Kevin. Yeah. What you're referring to is uh, when my wife and I were going to get married in Australia uh, because of the pandemic, our 2020 uh, wedding got canceled and we were going to get married in Australia. And uh, Aaron and I, uh, our first date was seeing the 30th anniversary of aliens on the big screen in London. And she's got a big alien queen tattoo on her back. And so we bonded on aliens. And so when finally the pandemic was uh, starting to open up Australia, because um, uh, I didn't get to see her for two and a half years. She was stuck over there because of the pandemic. We decided to get married in Las Vegas and we decided to make a uh, alien theme thing. And not only that, we got married on April 26, uh, which is uh, four LV426 because we got married in Las Vegas. So Las Vegas, uh, we had a little fun with the date. And uh, so makes it easy to remember our wedding anniversary, which is nice. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that's the biggest <laughs> wedding anniversary cheat code of all time. <laughs> yeah, so, so that is your password. That's all. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. So, yeah. Uh, lo love me some Xenomorph. Definitely. One of the best aliens of all time. Literally. Derek, I think it wants to kiss you. <laughs> I just got to cover my mouth. That's all. Yeah. So, did Next. you? Uh, did, I was gonna ask Kyle, did because I know you're into video games. Did you get Aliens: Dark Descent? I no? have not yet. I have, but I have heard some interesting things about it. Yeah, I want to get it on Steam because it's more of a PC game. Because you obviously yeah, right, it's the type of games. Um, but they said um, from a 
you know, tactical strategy game. It is by far phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Sorry, that's funny, Dave. <laughs> Frankenhooker first date. Uh, it's amazing they got past that. That's credit to them. That's funny. I there love that. But yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. This is a, a wonderful franchise. Yeah, it's it's had some of its more recently its downs than its ups. Um, although there's hope um with, with the series coming out. And obviously we had a good stride with the Predator as well with Prey um that came out last year. So maybe, maybe they've got some of the right people honing the franchise now, uh, rather than just trying to, you know, throw a bunch of things at the wall and just say, hey, a bunch of these people are gonna pay lots of money to go see a, a cruddy movie. So we can hope. I have heard good things, but next up, Kevin, it hurts. It just hurts my eyes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Got to give some love to Raider Nation. i uh, always been a fan of the Raiders, but uh, dived hardcore into the super fandom uh, back in uh, 2010-ish and uh, got to do a little mashup with Star Wars and thus the Raider nerd, the uh, uh, Mando Star Wars Raider mashup. But more, more importantly, though, was that uh, the community that, um, you know, as, as much as our team has sucked over the last 20 years, uh, the community has really um, been part of what's been important to me. Um, when my first wife passed away, um, they were there first and uh, to show support. And uh, they're the reason why I have some really good friends in England and Scotland that I can uh, crash on a bed when Aaron and I uh, go visit. And so, uh, you know, as much as uh, our team struggles, Raider Nation is undefeated when it comes to supporting each other. And uh, um, it's uh, been a big part of my life and uh, um, I'll always be forever grateful for uh, my family, extended family in Raider nation. And I I say this with all honest on the heart. They are some amazing people in the Raider nation family. It's just amazing that Kevin and I have been able to maintain this podcast long enough when my favorite team and my biggest passion in football is their arch rival, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, um, who've been a little bit, little bit more successful than the Raiders as of late. <laughs> uh, but I do want to give a shout out to uh, Murph and Raiders Fan Radio. I uh, love uh, the work that he's put into uh, doing that, including creating a charity out of it, the One Nation Foundation, where they give to Raiders charity. Um, and uh, Murph's a good guy. And, um, and, uh, I love uh, Raider Nation uh, till the day I die. Um, now, if I'm remembering correctly, Derek, uh, Kevin and I are going to both apologize to you because you're, you're a Bengals fan. No, I'm a Brownies. Oh, you're a Brownie. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's that's even worse. So yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> hey, I mean they they're still winning. That defense defense wins championships. Not I'm, again. I, to be honest, I, I I love football, but you know my passion's college football. Um, so obviously that's in the heat of thick of things. It's, you know, rivalry week, um, for the game, you know, the Ohio state Buckeyes versus the Michigan, uh, Wolverines. So, um, you know, there's a lot riding on this Saturday, so I'll be, you know, glued to watching that on Fox, uh, on Saturday at noon. So, um, but yeah, no, just overall football is a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I'm thankful that we get to still watch it. So <laughs> just remember every time you see Derek online, just say go blue. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you want to do that right now with all the scandal stuff going on, whether, you know, so as cheaters, so we'll see. 
Okay, guys, up next is something I'm very thankful for. Saturday morning cartoons, but specifically 1980s Saturday morning cartoons. Something that shaped me greatly, whether it was on your Saturday mornings, whether it was in syndication on maybe WGN or something like that. Transformers, G.I. Joe, Spider-Man, Thundercats, Silverhawks, Mask, um, so many things. Um, Robotech. Yes, exactly. Um, I love the fact that Inspector Gadget is right in the middle, and that was one of my favorites, Kyle. That's awesome. Uh, Duck DuckTales. What I love, though, is getting up all those early Saturday mornings and getting that bowl of cereal, whatever it may be, whether it be Cocoa Puffs, Lucky Charms, what, whatever. Every, you're trying to keep the TV down because mom and dad are still asleep and you don't want to wake them up. It wasn't just limited to Saturday mornings on a lot of these cartoons, though, Kyle. For me, it was after-school must-see mm-hmm. TV. And that's yeah. what I loved about it. There was something to do when you got home before, uh, you know, dinner later with the parents and stuff. There was like a good two, three hour block of these cartoons. It was great. And and, and let's be honest. You look at what the kids have for cartoons today. And I just I, I feel sorry for them because they just <laughs> don't have they yeah. don't have the magic that we had in the 1980s. Turtles almost made a list here. I just want to give a shout out to the turtles. I love the yeah. turtles. Uh, Michelangelo is in front, right behind Inspector Gadget. There, so. I know he's got a little pizza there. I love that. It's great. Okay, okay. So Derek, what 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 marks down as some of your favorite Saturday morning cartoons? Well, I mean, I have to give probably my most iconic one because it was always the first thing that came on at seven a.m. Um, Saturday. And R.I.P. to Paul Rubens, but Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um, oh, wow. you know, that was, that was huge. Um, just because, yeah, it was a, it was a mixture of everything, but it was just, you know, it's, it was hilarious, right? It was just one of those things that, um, forever, um, you know, that I, I think of Saturday morning cartoons, that was the first thing. Um, and back in the day, um, you know, all the great stuff here. Yeah. You have turtles, you got, you know, the, the super Mario show when you had actually, you know, <laughs> Captain Lou. <laughs> yeah, Captain Lou and, and the live action. Um, and then it, on Fridays, um, you know, you get actually the, the they got, you know, Link there because you'd actually have the Zelda episodes on Fridays. Um, just a lot of great stuff that, you know, as kids that, uh, yeah, uh, to your to your comment about kids nowadays, um, two things. One, my daughter has no patience when it comes to commercials. <laughs> Because either when you're streaming it on a platform you pay for, you, you you don't have to worry about it for the most part, right? You might have a few at the beginning, but usually there's nothing in the middle that cuts it like every seven to ten minutes. Or two, if we're watching something on YouTube after five seconds, or for the most part, you can hit skip, and she knows how to call it out. She's like commercial, and I'm like, and then she's like, you could hit skip now. So it's like, come on. So sometimes I almost just make her watch the commercial. How old is she? She's four. Oh my I, god, that's so funny. <laughs> She's so, got dad being the remote control. So, I love it. So I'm almost to the point now. Christine and I are just like, you know what? We're just gonna leave her and let her play the commercial. So sometimes I have like these three minute commercials on YouTube. Like, yeah, we'll just let her watch it and see what it is. Um, but the other thing too, to to you know, you obviously had some of the very iconic shows. One of the things that made Saturday mornings great though was just these all these one off things that they put on. Right, like you'd have these weird shows that would do it you know we had things i mean not necessarily they were one-offs too and like actual universe ip things right like you had swamp thing you had 
um, all the different type of Ghostbusters. You had Beetlejuice. You had, um, you know, the the um, some of the weird things that they had, like the Cowboys of Moo Mesa or the Toxic Avenger. You know, just these one-off cartoons that you might have one or two series, or they would just go the full merchandise. Because sometimes you're thinking they're like, what was that cartoon that I had a toy of um, that I used to play with? Like, I can't think of the one thing, and I, I could Google it because that's a great thing. You could Google it now, trying to remember. But there was like the one thing where they had these little um animal like humanoid creature things and you said these were little reflective things that you put your thumb on and you'd heat it up and when you removed it it told you like which faction they were on battle beasts was it battle beasts and then they had little like head creature things you pull back and it went as it moved forward so yeah just crazy things you know that they used to do just to sell us kids merchandise or cereal or whatever else it was but that was that was the blast right i mean that was the thing that you could just watch literally from like you know or even had like goku for dragon ball which was on like at 6 a.m you know Mm -hmm. from six to seven was uh dragon ball and astro boy or speed racer all those japanese cartoons and then from seven till noon every saturday got exposed to anime when we had no idea what anime was yeah (laughs) um but kevin you have something that you i know are very thankful for and it ties into something you were thankful for in this past year as well Yeah, Star Trek. I uh, threw up Next Gen here because that is my Star Trek. I uh, grew up, though, with my mom watching the original series. And I remember going and seeing the original films, um, the TOS films as well, as we kind of call them. But it was really Star Trek Next Generation 1987 that got me back into watching it weekly. And, you know, we uh, we had a good going there uh, for a good start as the resurgence of Star Trek. And it started with Next Generation here. And um, uh, then, of course, we went into Deep Space Nine and Voyager. And then in the early 2000s, we uh, uh, finally got uh, Enterprise uh, and with some uh, next-gen movies as well. And uh, now we have uh, Star Trek uh, on all the time, pretty much, with new series. And we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, uh, i always be forever uh, thankful to the Star Trek fandom. We have a Union Federation podcast on the network where we cover Star Trek and the Orville and I love doing that. Love talking Star Trek. Uh, it's been some of the best episodic television in history, uh, especially with the topics that they cover. And um, I love me some TNG. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think when you talk Star Trek, for me, this era, I mean, I liked Next Generation, but DS9 was probably my favorite of this era of Star Trek. I, I really liked it. But Good I'm stuff. Gonna, I'm going to get into Trek here, here shortly myself. But um, Derek, any thoughts on Star Trek? Um, I mean, yeah, it's almost like Star Wars. Where do you start, right? Um, same thing. Um, I didn't get to watch the original series with with my parents, um, like Kevin did, but TNG is what I watched with my dad. Um, and I didn't I watched a bit of Deep Space Nine, but as a as a kid, it just wasn't as exciting um as as TNG. But as I got to be an adult here and you've been able to, you know, rewatch this stuff, Deep Space Nine is definitely my favorite. Um, it is some of the best written stories you know series show ever um let alone just star trek um i i you know i still feel like first contact is probably one of my top 10 movies of all time still um and then i just love watching the original motion picture movies all six of them um like i purposely bought the the blu-ray you know collection of six 
and I'll just sit there, you know, especially during Christmas break when I'm off, um, and I'll just watch one movie each day, or if I can watch a couple movies each day and just try to get through them. Um, it's just something that you know holds a dear, you know, part in my heart um, and what my dad and I used to do. Um, but just great stuff. And then yeah, you'll talk about it here in a little bit. But uh, you know, been kind of off a little bit with the series stuff. Obviously, Picard season three was phenomenal. Um, but Strange New Worlds definitely has, um, you know, rekindled me, my interest. It's the same thing that I, I mentioned earlier. Um, that and Picard were probably the only Star Trek that in a while that I've, I've watched and enjoyed. I want to give a shout out to Dave here. He says, y'all might like the uh, back of the Serial Box podcast Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Uh, I just went to check out the channel on iTunes and I just subscribed to them. So I'll check it out. Thank you for the uh, uh, suggestion there, Dave. I appreciate you. Well, guys, next up for me, the thing, something I am thankful for, and this is going to be controversial, I can feel it, original streaming content. Um, when all these streamers first started, a lot of it was, oh, I'm getting access to these things I never thought I'd get access to again, or I got free access to it again. But over time, streaming has morphed, and now original streaming content is where we are getting so many amazing things. And the reason why I'm thankful for it is because if we didn't have original streaming content, how much of these things would ever have seen the light of day and been given a chance? And that is why I'm thankful for original streaming content, whether it's Stranger Things, Ted Lasso, the phenomenal Amazon version of uh, Jack Reacher, which uh, December 15th, I'm there. I cannot wait. Um, we've had some phenomenal streaming shows, obviously Disney Plus with the Marvel and Star Wars things because of how successful this has been. But yes, I am thankful for original streaming programming because I think it's changed the landscape for the better in the aspect of more things are getting a chance to get put out, Kevin. Definitely. And there's been some wonderful uh, stuff coming out. And um, uh, the original programming is key to it. You know, I remember when HBO um, branched out from just doing movies, they started doing original programming and, you look at all the popular, uh, how popular that was when they started doing that, started getting more subscriptions because people wanted to see this original programming. And that's how these streamers uh, sell their platform is, yes, they can, you know, get licensed to, you know, reshow movies and or TV series for a limited time, but you really got to keep your view viewers with original programming. And that's where things are going now. And now a lot of these streamers are not just doing these TV series, but they're also doing original films, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, Apple is doing that as well. And of course, you know, uh, Amazon, all the biggies. Uh, and I think that's also important as well. And so uh, it's it's just giving us the the only downside is is the cost of streaming now. It's like becoming is if not as expensive, but more expensive than your old cable bills. So <laughs> now we, now true. now there because there's so much competition now for uh, you know subscribers and streaming. Derek, what about you? How are you? Where, where do you feel as far as original? I mean, uh, the only bad part is just way too much. I can't watch it all. <laughs> That's the problem, right? Um, but no, I mean, if you think about it, right? I mean, the things that we would get, quote unquote, as original content back in the day of, of public television or cable TV, right, would be, quote unquote, a, a limited series event of Stephen King stuff, right? Those are the types of things that we would get. Or once in a while, like some of your oddball cable shows, not so more because they made their names on it, was like AMC, right? With Breaking Bad 
or The Walking Dead. Think about it, right? That yeah. was stuff that they took risks on. Um, you know, Kevin's point about HBO has been doing this for years, right? I mean, Sopranos and, and Game of Thrones and, and all that stuff that they did um, that was original, original, you know, series, but obviously you had to pay for it, quote unquote, right? Um, Netflix just took it to the extreme with all that they do um, to the point now, if you, which I haven't owned cable now for three years, um, other than, you know, the internet stuff to your point, because, you know, sports, you know, I can go to the bar or just get the stuff that I can on Fox or CBS, NBC. Um, but, uh, you know, for the most part, all your cable companies are now releasing uh, uh, exclusive content for them too, right? Because they have to compete with original content. So it's, you know, some of the shows that they come out with. Now, I don't know where some of those are because, you know, none of the um, Netflixes or anything like that's picking them up. Um, so I don't know if there's any good shows. I know Spectrum was doing some stuff of original content um, a few years ago when they were trying to break into it. But yeah, I mean, it's great. It just sucks that some of the great stuff that I enjoy, they're, you know, not renewing it. So it makes me upset. Um, specifically like the dark crystal, um, or the, um, cowboy bebop live action. Um, you know, I want season two, at least, at least give me a complete story before you cut the head off. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm thankful because again, it's the same thing, right? There's a lot of the crap that they put out there. There's, you know, a lot of good stuff as well. Yeah. Well, next up, Kevin, I'm feeling like I need to fight for some freedom here. Um, I'm feeling that urge because your next thing that you are thankful for is something I'm also very thankful for. Who knew back in 1982, going up and making a candy and soda run, the comic book spindle at my local 7-Eleven right up the street here, now that I'm back in California in Santa Barbara, I saw this issue, G.I. Joe, and I picked it up. I wanted something that was not superhero, and I got that. And uh, then it turned into, of course, the cartoon series, the toys and so on and so forth. And, you know, of course, in the 90s, I discovered girls and bands and got out of it for a while. But then nostalgia pulls me back in. And Kyle, that same Dragon Con 2015 was also the year that me and two uh, co-hosts of the uh, Star Wars What a Piece of Junk podcast, that would be, of course, um, Nathan and Scott, we decided to... uh, do some G.I. Joe cosplay. Like we wanted to do some like lower tier cosplay characters. And um, that led to me getting part of the finest G.I. Joe costume group. That led me, uh, of course, getting deeper into going back and collecting some stuff I missed. And uh, I still have my original G.I. Joe Marvel run. And I want to give a shout out to my good friend, Aaron Head Moss, who does a wonderful podcast called the G.I. Joe, A Real American Headcast. And it was his podcast that kind of helped fuel that love for G.I. Joe again. I've been a um, constant uh, contributor guest on his podcast as he covers the original Marvel run of G.I. Joe. And then he does a uh, cartoon, a half-hour cartoon on the same podcast. And uh, he and I actually met for the first time just about, uh, about a month ago. Uh, we both live in California, but we're kind of far away from each other. And he came up to my hometown. We met and had some dinner and I met his family. It was great. And, uh, you know, as uh, love the cartoon series and, of course, the cosplay, a major blood in that picture right there. But uh, we did get at least one good G.I. Joe live action movie. That's Retaliation. So I'm going to give a shout out there. Uh, but uh, I love the G.I. Joe uh, um, costume community as well. I have some dear friends I have met through that. And so, yeah, uh, G.I. Joe, yo, Joe. 
Uh, always one of the two toy line, two or three toy lines that's really shaped me. I had Jed Joe's all over the place growing up. Um, you know, the cartoon, the movies, every, everything G.I. Joe and with its resurgence here in the last few years with the uh, G.I. Joe classified um, toy line, the super, what Super 7 is doing with G.I. Joe right now. It's just great to see it resurge. And, of course, I'd be remiss, too, if we didn't uh, mention that, that how thankful we are for the creator of G.I. Joe, one Mr. Larry Hama. Without him. Yes. He is, he is the god yeah. of G.I. Joe and yeah. a phenomenal person and just, just a guy who has stuck with this property through thick and thin, and there's been some rough times for GI Joe over the years. But he, he, he when you think GI Joe, if you don't think Larry Hama, you, you're not a GI Joe fan. Yep. <laughs> so, um, Derek, I know you had to have owned a few GI Joes when you were a kid. Honestly, gents, I did not. GI <laughs> Joe was um, probably one that I just really couldn't get myself into. I mean, I watched it from time to time, um, but uh, I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, real um action characters you know that were just you know not super powered as much as the next or a mutant ninja turtles or whatever it was um i just couldn't get into it. i don't know there's just i guess it came out in 82 in the comics and then the cartoon would have been just right after that but i don't know just never something that i took off um with me as a kid so um unfortunately i can't contribute much on this one <laughs> uh, that that is quite all right Sir, um, up next for me though, guys, it's something I am very thankful for, and it's I'm gonna keep it simple it's the lightsaber, a delicate weapon from a more civilized age. <laughs> Let's be honest, the lightsaber is the greatest weapon creation in the history of science fiction because we all owned a lightsaber whether it looked like a paper towel roll or something else mine but was a broomstick that i took electrical tape and taped around the color that i wanted to have my lightsaber that was my first lightsaber um, my my mom was not happy that i cut the mop up <laughs> but that was my lightsaber but let's be honest for all the cool weapons that have been there throughout the years the the you you always go back to the true and faithful the lightsaber, Kevin. Who's your favorite lightsaber, Kyle? Which one's your favorite? Um, you know what? I'm I'm a real fan of Ahsoka Tano's two lightsabers, and I really like. I've always liked Kanan Jarrus's lightsaber. I don't remember that one. Hmm. He kind of had he taken apart and put it together. Okay, gotcha, Kyle. Uh, or no, Derek. Which one's your favorite? Um, I got a couple. Obviously, I I like. Luke Skywalker's when he's a Jedi Knight, um, yeah. you know, that was really sharp looking. It was just simple and all that. Right. But then we've got a lot of cool things. So when I went to Disney a month ago, I, I, and I've, I've done this back in COVID. I did the whole build your own lightsaber thing. Yeah. But it, it was fun. Um, and, and I got to do that, but, uh, this time I went ahead and splurged a little bit. So it was one of two things. Um, and I will probably make Mr. Kyle a little bit jealous unless if he bought one himself already. Nice. Oh, no, double blades, the double bladed nice. one. So yeah, I haven't yeah. opened it yet. Um, cause I haven't decided how I want to do it. If I want to keep it mint in box or if I want to, uh, display them at some point. Um, uh, but it was either between that or display, display, display. So <laughs> Uh, I um, want to give a shout out to uh, Count Dooku's curved hilt. I love the look of that thing with the little hook thing on the end. That thing is just gorgeous. Yeah. 
is it's really cool because it, it really worked well too the way he was holding it right almost like a um uh uh a lance almost yeah. versus rather than a, a, a actual hilt of a sword so yeah very um, cool Kevin, can i ask you a question mm-hmm. how do you feel about hot tub time machines <laughs> <laughs> the best time machine of all time not the delorean it's the hot tub time machine yes <laughs> so yeah my uh, choice is 80s and 90s movies they have really uh defined my fandom uh over the last uh 20 years uh, because uh, and a lot has to do with this network, Kyle, that we have been able to go back and celebrate 80s and 90s films. And uh, one of my passion projects on this network is Time Warp, where uh, um, one of the main shows on Time Warp is where we look back at an entire year of movies and celebrate it. And lately we've been doing the 40th anniversary versions of these years. And this year we're uh, ending uh, 1983. And uh, we talk about all the pop culture in between as well. Uh, we uh, handle them a month or a couple months at a time. And of course, our uh, wonderful contributor, uh, Lacey Adderhold, uh, the queen of movie foo, uh, uh, co-hosts that with us as well. But um, it's built this wonderful collection of physical media behind me as well. And uh, the 80s and 90s, for me, really define my movie fandom. Uh, and... Um, there is so many iconic films out of those two gener two uh, two decades that have left an imprint uh, forever, um, and we kind of joke around with this, Kyle, because we listen to the rewatchables uh, um, on the Ringer Network because uh, they look back on on films and do things, and you know a lot of cocaine was probably involved <laughs> when it came to the eighties and some of the nineties with some of those producers and stuff like that, but eighties starting in the seventies too, they started really taking chances with stuff. And some of these films, of course, uh, you probably can't make anymore. And I'm, I'm, you know, in a way I'm kind of grateful because we still have those and they feel so eighties. And, and uh, I, I just love the, the genre and, and the time that these films were made. And I have a lot of wonderful personal memories because of these films, you know, Pulp Fiction. I remember because that's when it opened my eyes to the art of the script. And, uh, you know, when it came to other films as well, I remember RoboCop was the movie that desensitized me to movie and TV violence. <laughs> you know, there's certain movies that I will always remember for certain reasons. And uh, I had always been a movie guy. I used to go in and, and pay for one movie and sneak into a bunch of other ones. Uh, that's how I saw Star Wars so many times in the theaters. Of course, it was, you know, as uh, um, rigidly uh, uh, enforced back in those days as it is now, of course. But uh, I love the fact that I get to uh, share that fandom with others here on the Fandom Podcast Network through the Time Warp uh, thing as well. And just recently, we did a special on Buffy um, and looked at that entire series because my wife is the biggest Buffy fan. And uh, we, uh, Lacey was on there with you as well, Kyle. Uh, so check out the network for the Time Warp. And I'm not just here to push Time Warp in our network, but uh, 80s and 90s films really, really um, uh, shaped my fandom. And I'm glad that I get to express that here on the fandom podcast network and, uh, you know, share my love for physical media as well. When we start, when we started the network, Kevin and I learned real quickly. One of the things we were going to bond over very quickly was our love of movies. Yes. Um, <laughs> um I, I think 
because of where I grew up in Alaska with the isolation there, I had very understanding parents who probably let me see a few too many movies that I shouldn't see. And they didn't <laughs> let me see them. My grandmother for sure. Let me watch them. When <laughs> I, I wish was I could have met you. I wish I could have <laughs> met your grandmother. man. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, these, I, I am a movie buff and I'm not, I'm not even going to lie about it. I have seen so many movies. I have a huge digital collection of movies just, and you know, I've just, if it's, I, a lot of HBO when it's 60 below outside. That's what I'm going to say to a lot of trips to Blockbuster video or your local video store. I and mean, I've just, I've always loved the movie experience. I love getting lost in the movie experience and just forgetting what's the reality is in the, in that aspect and to have that escape for a few hours and just enjoying and understanding all the aspects that go into making a movie. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you for that. Just thankful. To, and especially for the eighties and nineties films, because that's what I grew up on. And, you know, as much as I love the modern things too, the eighties and nineties films are always, especially the eighties films are always going to have a very special spot for me that I will always be glad to go. Read. Mr. Marsh. Well, I mean, I was born in 83, so what better way could you say? But uh, no. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. That means you are 40. I am 40. I hit the big four <laughs> this year. So. Welcome to the club. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only one left we still have to do is Nathan. He's still got a couple more years. So, He's um, a baby. <laughs> but, uh, but no, um, I, I, the, the biggest thing, too, about, about old movies, as I could say, right, um, is, is the practical effects, right? I mean, you yeah. just, and it's great that people are nowadays doing it again, because, you know, especially during the two thousands, um, and, and even to some degree to today's that CGI just, you know, obviously if it's a Pixar movie, okay, I'm expecting it to be CGI, but outside of that, I mean, yeah, kudos to, to Lucasfilm and art and, and what they're doing in the studios. And sometimes, you know, they're able to do what they are um, you know, able to do pre-COVID. Post-COVID, it's been a little rough here and there with some of the animation places. Um, but, uh, you know, just overall. But I will tell you one thing that has really suffered, especially since the 80s. 90s had some pretty good, but it, it was definitely a little bit harder. But they just don't make comedies like they used to. Is it just me? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You're, you're muted, yeah. Kyle. I, I think that's just a project of the world and how we are today. Yeah, like, I yeah, I just like, I mean, obviously, if you think about some of the movies that came out pre two or post 2000, like you had Hot Tub Time Machine, you had the Hangover series, you have Superbad. And, yeah, and none maybe, of those get made today. Well, yeah, Tropic Thunder is not going to get made today either. Right. So um, but even then, I mean, there, there's there's some out there. Right. I mean, you haven't seen Will Ferrell in the 2000s had some phenomenal movies, but. Um, and, and even Adam Sandler, right. What his was, but his was mostly nineties too. Right. If you think about that. So, um, just, but I don't know, but even like today's stuff, like you just don't have like Caddyshack, you don't yeah. have stripes, you don't have even like ghostbusters. I mean, yes, that is, but that's still a comedy to me, you know? And yep. it's just, you just don't hit that anymore. And it's like, is it just because the writing, I could see to some degree, Kyle point, you know, the political correctness of today's world, but even then, yeah, big trouble, in little China, but there's just nothing out there that comedy just seems to hit where we hit like at least every year there was two or three good comedies, right? Obviously you don't have people like Robin Williams out there anymore doing the things that he was doing. 
Um, you know, I mean, a lot of these people like Dave Chappelle had some great stuff, but he never went back to the movies because, you know, he had a couple things that bombed. I love watching and, and maybe it's stupid comedy. Yes. Granted. But I like rewatching because I follow him on Facebook is Polly Shore and his resurgence and stuff like that. And all the movies that we used to watch as kids in the nineties, right. On the MTV yeah. era. Right. But <laughs> nowadays it's like, I don't know. I, I think all good points there, but I just give me, give me, give me those all day long. And I'm, I'm a happy camper, but speaking of things that make me a happy camper, something I'm very thankful for is strange new worlds. Now I've always been a star Trek fan. It's never been like the number one thing for me. I, I enjoy it. It's been good. I'll be honest with you. I was at a point with the new Trek, starting with Discovery, where I was just like, okay, I'm getting pretty much done with this. I, you know, Lower Decks is fun, a, f- a few things here. Discovery was just driving me bonkers. Um, I just wasn't feeling the direction. And then Strange New Worlds came out. And I think sh- I can say in confidence, Strange New Worlds has become my favorite Star Trek show. I, I love the cast. I love. What they do with it and how they pay tribute. You love to Nurse Chapel, just say it. Come on. Oh, that, that too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but too, I mean, Anson Mount as Captain Pike is redefining Star Trek in a way and, and just bringing something to it. Ethan Peck has been a, an incredible addition to the Spock legacy. Um, and just how the show is visually, visually storytelling wise how it's pertinent and what it's not afraid to take risks and what it does for Star Trek, I think is the best thing for Star Trek since actually since JJ Abrams did what he did with the, with the relaunch of the Trek Trek films back in the day. I think this, this just, the show has energy. It's the first Star Trek. I really truly feel like I'm excited for every week when, when it's coming out and I don't, I want to make sure I see it on the night it is coming out. And so Stranger Worlds, I am incredibly thankful for it, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's been I we've always liked it too because it's returned to episodic television. Yes. But still, but still they have stuff that goes from uh episode to episode, but we don't have this one like big bad that you know we have to worry about whether or not they land it at the end of the series or end of the season, like um uh um Discovery, Discovery was and uh or even Picard. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, of course, the crossover with Lower Decks was so much fun. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> or the singing episode. I loved how they made it scientific. Like, this is the reason why we're all singing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Derek, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I'm with you guys. But but it's, it's and again, I haven't watched Discovery. I, I watched the first two episodes. And after that, I was like, they're going to have to do something to bring me back in because I've never watched any more of it. And from what people tell me, I'm kind of like Game of Thrones where it's like, yeah, I've never finished it because where they've gone with it has just been bleh. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to waste my time. If to Kevin's point, you know, talk about landing at the end of the season, you don't even land it in the, the season uh, series finale. Then that's even worse. Right. When you, when you have these shows that uh, just really leave a bad taste in your mouth after you spent all these years watching it. So um, I'm with you guys though. Episodic is, is great. Um, and, but it's some heavy episodes. Um, the, the, the one, I don't remember the name of the episode, but the one about the butcher of Tagal. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, was phenomenal. That is probably that to me was like, that's like 
deep space nine writing right there. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's high praise coming from me there. So that's the kind of stuff that I like where it's like, yeah, you can go from one thing to the next. It's episodic. You do have this overarching. I will say my one gripe and we made fun of it. You know, we, I think we were floating some pictures around back when, when uh, season two was doing it. They got to get, they got to get James Kirk off this though. I don't, I don't need all this fan service. Like it's fun to have, you know, Spock and, and it makes sense because he was there with Pike and, and number one, but get, get, get the, you know, and we got Scotty will eventually be on there. Like, you know, cause he's obviously made it and we'll get Sulu at some point and all this stuff. I get that, but get Kirk off here. Just give me Pike. Let that go. Um, I don't need this like, oh, here's a tease. You know, Kirk is someday going to take over the ship. Well, we know that we, do, we don't need anything other than maybe at the end when, you know, they actually had the episode where, you know, Pike and, and Kirk hand each other the reins. Other than that, I don't need Kirk. I, I, I think that's fair. But speaking of space exploration, there is a show that has hit some and is going through quite a history in its own right of survival, but a show that actually filled the Trek void when the Trek void wasn't getting filled by Star Trek. And it is a show that I'm very thankful for, but I know Mr. Reisel is incredibly thankful for it. The Orville. Yeah. Uh, Who knew Seth MacFarlane would pull this together and be the big Trek fan that he is. And, uh, you know, we always talked about how, you know, we felt like it was going to be, you know, family guy in space and stuff like that. And it was going to be, people thought it was going to be a parody, but uh, that's not what happened. And, um, you know, yes, there's some uh, jokey, jokey moments from time to time, but, uh, you know, starting even in the first season, they uh, really handled some heavy topics and have been doing so throughout the entire series. And he's created quite a, a crew and a cast here. Uh, and a and a world building um, series that have really obviously Star Trek inspired, probably more specifically TNG, and of course we've had some TNG uh, and other Star Trek uh, alumni guest star in this series, but he's done a really good job of um, creating some very controversial and uh, timely themed, and we've had a fun uh, job. Uh, podcasting about the Orville on the Union Federation podcast, but also making some wonderful connections to Next Generation and other Star Trek episodes. Uh, and um, I also got a little Orville cosplay going on. I got my own Admiral's uniform and uh, part of a group that we started at Dragon Con. And uh, I'm hoping season three will come out on uh, officially on um, uh, uh physical media. And I hope that we get some news, uh, maybe now the strikes over whether or not they're going to continue with maybe a season four. I know that, um, uh, Seth MacFarlane wants to do it, but, uh, now it's in the hands of Disney. So I don't think it's going to happen, but at least we got, uh, three seasons of it. And I love the way that season three ended. If that is the final thing, but I would love to at least maybe get a movie in the future. It would be nice. So we'll see. I find it interesting here. Dave Mattingly's favorite episode of um, the Orville might be the one that you like dislike the most, Kevin, because of clowns. Oh yeah. Oh, that was a good episode though. It was creepy, but yeah, that was a good, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the Orville is one of the biggest surprises I've had in fandom in a very long time. I did not think success as McFarland had this in him. And I think it is his masterpiece to, of his career at, to this point. Um, 
And I give him all him and the cast all the credit in the world because I think that they have been so universally accepted and the show the show is too good to stop. And I really hope there's some by some miracle it's brought at least for one more season. But even if we get a movie, something, do not let the Orville die. It is it is phenomenal and it is not what you think it would be because it's because it's Sex McFarlane. It will genuinely surprise you, genuinely make you think, and genuinely give you just some of the best science fiction television we've had in the last 15 years. So, yeah, that's kind of my feelings on the Orville. What about you, Derek? Have you so experienced the Orville? Through, I got, we, well, so Christina has the nostalgic for Star Trek, the next generation, because just like I mentioned before, um, you know, that was one of the things that we both watched with our fathers. Um, now Christina's father's still around and stuff like that, but that brings nostalgic to her. So we started watching the Orville when it first premiered. Um, and it was on demand at that point, right? You could watch it a couple of days later, a week later. Right. So, um, cause we couldn't always sit there cause the hardest part is that, and I appreciate it, you know, they're whatever, 40, 50 some minute episodes, right. Cause it's made for television at the first two seasons, um, but then the problem was, is that Christina just has struggle watching anything more than 30 minutes or it's a slow, slow drip. Um, so we've gotten through, like I said, the first half of season one. Um, and then we kind of lost interest in it, um, for a little bit cause other things came up in life and we just haven't picked it back up, but I'm almost at the point now it's like, okay, I'm just going to start binging it because I do want to watch it. Um, I did enjoy it. I agree with you guys. It felt like actual Trek when we didn't have Trek at the time. Um, you know, kudos to, to Seth to not make it all a bunch of fart jokes and all that. Oh, sounds like Kevin dropped something. I dropped um, a lightsaber. Sorry. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> the one you got from the uh, Ahsoka event. Yeah, um, the Ahsoka premiere, yeah. So, um, but uh, no, just overall, uh, I want to pick it back up. So, Well, for me, the, the last thing on my list this year that I am thankful for, and Derek, I know you will have a great appreciation of this, Hayao Miyazaki, the Walt Disney of Japan. Um, I'm a huge anime fan. I always have been. I've always pre- preferred a lot of times Japanese animation to American animation. This 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 man is a genius, and his films are touching. From whether they're science fiction to slice of life to history, they are visually spectacular. They are heartwarming, and they are also incredibly intelligent. And they make you think. And they but they take and he always has a way of taking you to the world he creates in his films, like no other person I've ever ever seen in animation. And yeah, he has thankfully unretired and has a new film coming out in just a couple of short weeks, which I am very excited for. But I mean, whether it's Nausicaa, Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, Kiki's Delivery Service, My Neighbor, Totoro. These are some of the most special films out there. And I'm going to tell anybody, if you are a parent, sit with your kids and watch these films. Some of them are, you need to wait till your kids are a little older, but this is these are amazing films. And should be experienced by everybody, Derek. Yeah. Um, my favorite of his is Lupin the Third, Castle of Kigliostro. Um, just phenomenal. That was actually my true introduction to Miyazaki. Um, then followed up by Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, all the stuff that was coming out um, in the late 90s, early 2000s um, with all that. Uh, I've actually gotten my, my daughter, uh, Sophia. She has watched... 
Kiki's delivery service twice. Um, it's been first time was kind of, you know, just she watched it, but we watched it again um, earlier this year and she, she knows of it. Um, so some of the others to your point, right. It's probably still a little bit above um, at, at where she's at. Maybe I could do Totoro or maybe Ponyo, but I'm not sure yet. Um, we'll have to see. Cause again, it's, it's animation, but it, it's the same thing I've told people about like clone wars and rebels. It's yes, it's a cartoon, but it's written for adults. Right. And some of the things here, it's very much written for kids, but a lot of times there's just a lot of deeper meaning in Miyazaki's work. Um, and what it is here. So that's the hard part with sometimes you have to be careful which ones you want to have your kids watch depending on their age. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, you know, definitely over the past 20 years um, plus, uh, you know, since I've been watching um, anime for 30 some years now at this point, but um, definitely with, with uh, the introduction to Miyazaki in America has been wonderful. Uh, Kevin, I know you're not as a big a fan of animated films, but I know your daughter, having a daughter, and I know she some of her interests. Did you ever watch any of the Miyazaki films? Uh, I saw Prince and Princess Mononoke years ago, but my the movie, I think my daughter's seen a couple of these without me. But the one that we saw together for the first time was Spirited Away, and we had an enjoyable time doing it. I like the fact that when everyone's cosplaying uh, Mr. No Face, he's got free candy. It's great. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was the only one that I remember watching uh, together with, with her, and uh, but we did enjoy it. Right, um, he, he is a master, and so I am very thankful for what he has brought into my world. But lastly, Kevin, you have up something I, you know I'm very thankful for it, and I know you've been going through your rewatch as well. Yeah, I'm going to be specific right now. It's the Infinity Saga MCU. I am so thankful for this uh, theatrical experience along with the Disney Plus TV series. But uh, specifically, um, I'm just going to throw out the movies as I've been doing a rewatch right now. I'm just about to start Thor The Dark World. Um, and uh, this, being someone who never followed these on the comics and stuff, I dove into the movies and I really love the connective tissue between all of these. And um, I, you know, like I watched Hulk again recently and I actually enjoyed it more than the last time that I watched it. Um, and uh, I just, I love the MCU for so many reasons. I love the fact that it brought me to the theater to see these on opening weekend for each and every single one of these. And um, I love the cast and the, the infinity saga was such a wonderful buildup and uh, did not disappoint with Endgame. The infinity saga is a grand experiment that we will never see the lights again and never will be properly replicated. Um, a lot of tried because it's Hollywood and they can't some they have to jump on every idea but to do what these creators did along with Kevin Feige shepherding everything is one of the greatest achievements in cinema history and also to get these characters that let's be honest we never thought we'd see real true comic accurate versions of these characters on screen whenever they've tried it's been rough and they they not only did it they did it spectacularly and is uh, for me one of the greatest things in film that's ever been done and one of the greatest accomplishments in films that's ever been done so yes i am so thankful for the infinity saga 
They've got some work to do what they're doing right now, but I still have faith in them because if you can do this, you can do a lot of stuff. But Derek, I, I know you're a fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, again, I would say, you know, and, and technically it's, I guess it's technically missing the second Spider-Man. Um, cause that was technically the cap of, of this phase. Um, cause there was 23 movies, but outside of that, um, you would say there's probably two movies out of this that were quote unquote misses to some degree, not that they were terrible, but you know, obviously Thor two and Iron Man two would probably be, um, you know, the, the ones that were quite the misses, but to think about that, to be 21 out of 23 movies, um, to hit all cylinders, right. Um, and, and to, you know, just be phenomenal. Um, and, and the stuff that we've had post, right. We've again, same thing that I said about star Wars, I'd rather have some misses and, and still have home runs than not have anything at all. Um, because otherwise we wouldn't have gotten some of the great stuff that we, we gotten, um, especially like with, um, Spider-Man no way home. Um, cause I would put no way home probably up against almost every movie here, um, outside of probably obviously civil or not civil war um winter soldier um infinity war um and and civil war doctor strange 2 and then i'd probably say no way home would probably be my top five um so. dave maddenly is asking what's your favorite mcu movie pick one it'd be winter soldier <laughs> yeah i'd have uh, to agree winter soldier yeah, I I'd say Winter Soldier, but then I go to Endgame because it just oh, I love yeah. Endgame so much. But yeah, Winter Soldier, you know, oh, it's so good. Yeah, Winter Soldier and Infinity War for me because it's the ESB of of the MCU. So yeah, yeah. Well, and, and just that Endgame's up there. Just the emotional impacts of Endgame. Oh, the last yeah, the last forty five minutes of Endgame is just some just lights out man lights out yeah that uh that i i've watched that just that that fight scene and the whole ensemble probably you know i watch at least probably 10 times a year just that 20 minutes of them you know after they they resummon and to the point of of the end there so yeah well with that guys that's gonna finish up our list of everything that we are thankful for the magic eight ball is more than happy we know we've run long but we got one little thing we're going to hit a little bit here because we have a couple things we've seen. It's time to buy it, buy it, buy it, stream it, stream it, stream it or unsee it. it. Okay, well, I'm going to keep mine kind of short and sweet. But before we get into buy it, stream it, or unsee it, Kevin, I think you might need to hit a button. Um, I don't know what I'm hitting. Kyle, you caught me off guard. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, uh, but there's only one button that Kevin truly loves to hit. I'm not going to get spoilery if that's what you're getting at. Well, no, but I would like for you to hit the button because I, I need to address something. Okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. So spoiler alerts. Ahoy. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the first two episodes of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Of course, these shows spinning out of the legendary Godzilla monster universe. Um, First two episodes are great. Um, Kurt Russell, you, you see in it, um, Wyatt Russell is phenomenal in it. The cast is phenomenal in this. But one of the things I, I want to say here is if you are going to watch this show, you need to have probably watched at least the original Godzilla film and G Kong Skull Island because there is a lot of references to things in those two films. And I think it would really clear up 
some things for you. But the great thing about these first two episodes is they are they are building a mystery. There's it's kind of some people are a little there's some time jumps that people kind of get are getting thrown off by, but they are building this world and building it up. And Legendary has big plans for this world and with that be tied in with Apple TV Plus and to have something of this quality because this is movie quality. This show is movie quality. I think there's going to be ten episodes altogether in this. We're gonna I'm going to be planning on covering it as we go along, but these first two episodes without really only seeing Godzilla except for flashes from and cuts from the original Godzilla film from 2014 is still just, it's got you on the edge of your seat. It's got you wondering what the hell is going on and which direction it's going to take. How I long is the season, up, Kyle? Do you know? I think it's 10 episodes. Okay. And it's going to, it comes out Wednesdays. The first two episodes have come out. The next episode will be this Wednesday, but this has been and, really enjoyable. And, and how long uh, are the episodes? Uh, they're running about 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. So they're running at a good runtime, and I've really enjoyed what they've done so far. Um, Derek, I know you're the big a big kaiju fan. I know you're excited for this sh- the show. I know you haven't watched it yet, but how, how high is your anticipation level? Um, well, obviously, when when you know they announced it, it was kind of like okay, we'll see where this goes. But when they actually showed you know Russell on the, on the trailer, right? I was like, okay. I'm in, <laughs> you've got me interested, right? So let me, let me watch this. Cause I love Kurt Russell and, you know, we'll go from there, but uh, I'm, I'm excited, right? Like I said, I'll, I'll, you know, obviously if the episode three is coming out tomorrow, I'll probably, you know, hit the first um, episode tomorrow night um, and try to watch a little bit over the next, um, you know, three days uh, or, or three uh, episodes over the next five days. So the one, the one thing I'll say on this real quick to Kevin, especially for you, I think this might be Wyatt Russell's best performance to date. Good to hear. I like it. And he's playing a younger version of Kurt, right? Is that what correct? Is? He's playing. Yeah. He's playing a younger version. Okay. He, he, the version he's playing takes place probably around the time of Skull Island, or a little bit actually, a little bit before that work. So, um, cool. It, it's it, it's it, it is phenomenal. But I do want to uh, see Kong Skull Island again. I, that was a good movie. I did enjoy that one. Yeah. Um, now, um, that, that's kind of what I've seen. I'll have a lot more as we get get into the next few weeks of Culture Clash. But Kevin, you did, you did, you recently went to. Yes, I am a Hunger Games fan. I just recently did a little marathon of the original uh, four uh, movie uh, um, Hunger Games films, and uh, I was very curious about this prequel set about seventy years before the uh, original uh, film. And this is where we see a younger um, uh, President Snow. I'm forgetting his uh, first name in this, but we see him as a young, uh, up-and-coming um, kind of uh, political figure. Along, um, kind of think of uh, the people that he's going to school with in this university. That uh, they're going to be influential people in uh, the world of Panem, basically. And um, this is where the Hunger Games, you get a little prequel to before the Hunger Games start when he's a kid. But when he comes into this story as his uh, up and coming, uh, like, I guess you would call it his going into collegiate year, so to speak, the way the schooling is. The Hunger Games are around 10 years old right now. And uh, what's really fascinating about this series, or I'm sorry, this movie is the way they made it feel like it was 70 years um, 
prequel because when we see the original uh, uh, Hunger Games, we see the technology and the stuff that's used. Well, in this one, they really do a fantastic job of making it feel like it's 70 years ago. The technology kind of feels like out of like the late 50s and 60s for us a little bit, especially with some of like the, the TV and the cars and stuff like that and the weaponry and what the peacekeepers look like uh, back, you know, before we see them in uh, the original series. And apparently this whole series, uh, this whole uh, this movie was all filmed in like uh, Poland and in Romania and stuff. So they really picked some really cool uh, locations for this. But what's interesting about this is that they need to get people to watch the games. People have stopped watching them. And so when you see what happens to uh, Jennifer's character, um, Katniss Everdeen, how uh, you have, um, uh, what's his name? Woody Harrelson's character showing him how to be likable. So people will watch and root for you and send you stuff during the games to help you survive. The trick is getting them people to watch this and what happens is is young snow is drafted to basically take this woman from uh district 12 to guide her to be make her become likable but what's funny is like the first hunger games it doesn't have like all of the uh, uh fancy game stuff that's going on they're basically thrown into one like pit arena area and forced to fight in just that area. It's not as high tech as you see it, but it creates a lot of drama, especially when these people have to kind of sponsor these um, tributes. And it gets really fascinating because the movie takes a turn because of what happens to Snow's character. It's just not about the actual fighting in the Hunger Games. It's the turn that he takes when he becomes a peacekeeper soldier. And it takes a very interesting turn. It and I, it it was better than I thought it was going to be. It's a little long. It's about two hours and like thirty five minutes. Uh, but I did enjoy it. There's a lot of good um, uh, drama in it, and uh, it, it definitely have a Hunger Games feel. And I do recommend it. It's definitely a buy it and see it for me, uh, specifically for the setting and everything like that. And it had some really good cast members in it. But but it, it is dark. It is it is bloody. <laughs> Uh, it takes turns, uh, but uh, I found it very fascinating because you get to see Panem before it becomes this huge, majestic-looking city. It's like on the rise of being built. You see buildings being like half-built, and they're, you see it kind of slowly going up. And then you see um, Snow's rise to power uh, at, a young, at a young level. And um, yeah, uh, I'm forgetting the woman that played... Um, uh, she's like the gamekeeper. Was uh, she, she was um, this, uh, the African American woman Kyle that was in uh, this, uh, Amanda Waller? What is, what's the actress's name? Uh, Viola Davis. Yes, she's like the lead gamekeeper. She's the one that drafts these people to like bring these people to help bring the tributes to uh, to be likable and such. And she is like vicious. <laughs> Oh, she, she, there's a reason why she's so she's, good as Amanda Waller. Yeah. Yeah. She's got the power. It's, it's fascinating. So yeah. Um, Kevin, you got one more thing to talk about real quick here. Um, it's on in that streaming service, Sheridan plus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Paramount plus has got a new series called Laman Laman Bass Reeves. And, uh, I was uh, I decided to dive into it because uh, Tyler Sheridan, of course, uh, famous for uh, 1883 and Yellowstone, and 
and such uh, is one of the producers. And um, I, I'm a big Western fan. And this is based on an actual character uh, that I thought was fascinating. And uh, it's about a legendary lawman, Bass Reeves, one of the first or greatest frontier heroes and one of the first black deputy U.S. Marshals west of the Mississippi. And you get a little uh, backstory. He is a slave to a Confederate soldier, and he has to fight with the Confederates against the North. And you see how he gets out of that and how he starts a family and then how uh, um, he ends up becoming a lawman. And uh, thanks to Dennis Quaid, who has a a few moments here, as well as, of course, Donald Sutherland is in this as well. Are are we sure this isn't a sequel to The Hunger Games? No. no. (laughs) Uh, Based on a true story. And uh, yeah, I've watched the first three episodes and I am hooked. It's done. It's done really, really well. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this. Actually, by the way, that is the original Lawman Bass Reeves. I have a picture of right there um, that it's based on. So there you go. I I was gonna say I'm a little upset that they didn't go quite the full mustache on the actor. (laughs) Um, I I really maybe that's when he retired. I don't know, but yeah, you went maybe. But uh, yeah, you get uh, you get uh, appearances by Barry Pepper, of course. Uh, Garrett Hedlund has a uh, episode in there as well. Yeah, so Does highly Timothy, recommend it. Timothy Olivant make a cameo yet or no? Nah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, guys, we are going to wrap up this um, special Thanksgiving edition of Culture Clash. We know we ran a little long, but I just want to thank everybody in the chat who has joined us and contributed and told us what they're thankful for. Thankful for, um, and of course, thank I'm you guys. For, Appreciate yep. you. I'm also thankful for the two gentlemen on, who joined me on this podcast. Derek, you hopped in la- kind of last minute. Um, I know the Drunken Gungans triple park. It's probably got a few more parking tickets on it. I'll try to square. You don't valet? What? 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 <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, we don't register your chip either. So, you know, um, uh, but thank you. And you, as you guys are, we're thankful for everything you and Scott and Nathan do over at One Piece of Junk here on the Fandom Podcast Network. And um, so thank you, Kevin. You are my brother from another mother. Um, Appreciate you, dude. Ride, I am thankful for. Um, and as far as the, everybody else out there, we're thankful for you. You can, of course, find the Fandom Podcast Network on so many different things, including YouTube. If you're watching live, please like, subscribe, share um, out. We're trying to grow our YouTube presence as well as our podcasting presence, which, of course, starts at fpnet.podbean.com, the home of our master feed. But you can find all of the great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network on all of your major podcast catchers, whether it's iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, so many others out there. Um, you can, of course, visit the Phantom Podcast Network Facebook page. Find us on X, Twitter, or whatever it's going to be tomorrow at Pod Network. We're also on Instagram and threads at Phantom Podcast Network. You can find myself, Kyle, on um, Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at AKyleW or on Instagram and threads at AKyleFandom. Kevin, where can people find you over the on the uh, threads X Instagram at Spartan underscore Phoenix. Eric, are, are you, do you even have time for social media these days? <laughs> I, I scroll through the Facebook and like everybody's thing about it and send you guys funny things when I find it. That's about it. Um, no, you can find me on Facebook under my real name, Derek Marsh, um, where then you can also like us on the, what a piece of junk, a star Wars podcast, Facebook group. Um, that's where you'll see us post a lot of stuff. Um, and then find me over there. Um, or you can hit us up with questions at what wars for those that want to use X Twix, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> 
with that, guys, thank you for being being with us on this whole show. If you're listening to this on a podcast or watching, thanks this to David, after. Dave, and uh, um, several of the other guys that showed up there. Thank you guys so much for uh, uh, doing the chat. Appreciate you. Thank you, Joseph. And if you're listening on podcast or watching this on YouTube, thank you for giving us the time in your day. And we know how valuable and important that is. And we thank you for it so very much. But with that, guys, it is time to wrap things up. So as always, first and foremost, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Be safe this holiday weekend. And whether it's Thanksgiving or not, you live by the mantra. Be excellent to each other. Respect each other. And most importantly, enjoy your fandom. And a xenomorph. 